guys, we're back. We're going to do our recap of our most notable beers, notable breweries this year. Here with Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Oh, he nodded his head, but I guess that works on radio. Hi, guys. <laughs> yes, we'll do a recap of our of our beer and our favorites. Um, we've had a lot of beer this year. Oh, yeah. Um, we've even you know done some strategic tasting to try and expand our palates, and we'll just kind of recap um, what we thought was cool from our year. Um Different experiences we had, different breweries that we checked out, um, which ones left an impression, which ones kind of disappointed. Um, and then things we're interested in trying. Yeah, in stuff we're excited about. Yeah. So one of the things we're talking about doing is uh, suggestions from you guys of beers to try. Mm-hmm. So I know we tried a lot. There's still a lot left. Mm-hmm. So anything sounds good or you want us to give you or, or give you our opinion on a beer that you like or one that you don't like maybe we can tell you why you know yeah that might be fun mm-hmm or thing yeah things that you think are really good things that you think um, will be good for us to try you know the cool thing about beer is uh, there's usually always another thing that you haven't had that will kind of test your palate a little bit so what's this first thing we're doing we brought this so this was a gift from one of the magazines that I work with uh, Christmas gifts, and if you heard, it actually required us to pop a cork, which is you know very festive for it being our New Year's end of the year podcast. It's called Berliner Weiss Mango uh, from Stash Brewing Company, and uh, this is interesting. It's one of the most notable beers I think Jordan and I have gotten into this year. Was the Berliner? Is it Berliner Weiss or Berliner Weiss? I think I call it a Berliner Weiss beer. Weiss. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Something. that's the proper way to say it, but that's what I say. <laughs> They're German sours, and um, they have a base kind of a sour flavor, right? It's very mild. What does it taste like? It's a. You're the expert on this one. Um, What's it, the, well, it's, there's it's like a, a peach mild and sour? fruity. So, because okay. um, so Thin Line Brewing out in Rancho Cordova, they're the ones that really kind of sent us down this rabbit hole of trying all these different Berliner Weiss beers, uh, and they're. German sour, super low ABV. Uh, in Germany, they're even served as like a kid's beverage, or at least they used to be. Yeah. And uh, you can add a syrup to it. That was uh, that's still the beer that really draws me to Thin Line. So you go get, it's called Light Duty. It's their Berliner Weiss. This mm. one that they've been doing has a hint of peach. And they have eight or nine syrups that you can add to the beer. And they're just delicious. They're Well, that's I think you found them first. <clears throat> And then yeah. you, you took me there, and the thing that you do, because they do flights of six, the thing that you do the first time you go there is you get light duty, but you get one straight, and then you pick five syrups for the other ones. You round out your, your flight. Your old flight. Yeah. Oh, and then it's you, good. You that's, it's hey, that's, so good. That was how you got me hooked on it. It was pretty interesting. Um, it's, it's weird to see a beer. You taste the beer, and then you go through the different flavors added to it and how much that actually changes. Mm-hmm. But all you're changing is the syrup, but the whole dynamic, like the color changes, the, the you know, I don't know, the way that the flavor is, depending on like raspberry, watermelon was one you really liked. Uh, we had strawberry last time, it was really good. Green apple was really dope. But it changes the whole profile of the beer, and I know it sounds like kind of dumb, and it's very, Yeah, know, I thought it would duh, be gimmicky, but, um, no, but it's, it's actually, cool. it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, really cool. Like, almost like I want to, I want them to add syrups to my other beer sometimes. Um, this this beer though, it's a little it looks, thick. It looks kind of weird. 
It's a little thick. It smells a little bit more it looks sour. It's a little weird. Like, if you uh, put, like... It's supposed to be mango-flavored. This one's mango. Like, a, it looks almost like a soda water kind of thing, but with, like... Like, if you got, like, a sparkling water... Mmm. It looks like a Rattler. Help me out. What's that? That's a craft soda with a craft beer mixed together. So it's kind oh. of the same thing, but it's, like, the American version. Okay. And they're usually a little bit cloudy like this. Who uh, brews this again? This is from Stash Brewing Company. Do, you know where, do we know where they are? I do not. Let's read the bottle. Okay. So it's 4.5% alcohol, 12-ounce mm-hmm. bottle. Mm-hmm. They are in Garden Valley, California. Okay, great. Now, where's Garden Valley? <laughs> <laughs> it's the United States. Uh, thank you. <laughs> it's, we have to consult the Google yeah, for that one. Yeah, come on, one. Google. Let's tell me Google. Uh, let's see here. Oh, they're 45 minutes away. Nice. This uh, On the back of the bottle here, it says that they've aged this beer uh, for about six months. It helps to reduce the acidity. Infused it with 200 pounds of fresh mango. It is a refreshing summer treat. Looks like if you go up to Auburn and head west. Hmm. They're kind of over. Are they by the airport? Are they kind of near... They're sort of between Auburn and Placerville, actually. Okay. Interesting. It is a very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, well, well smell it. What do you smell? Mango. It smells very mango. It smells a little bit more sour than the mm-hmm. ones we're used to. Yeah. Is it, is it barrel-aged? Yes, this oh, one is barrel-aged. Oh, smells like it, yeah. But, a little bit of the oaky flavor coming out of it. The interesting thing, though, you barrel-age a sour, it gets more tart. This one is saying that the barrel-aging process... Remove some of that well, acidity. Cheers. Bottoms up. Yes, it's very sour compared to the regular Berliner Barista's that we're used to. I mean, still mild on mm. the sour spectrum, but mm. that mango really sits on that back end for a while. It and finishes it really nice. Sits. Yeah. I'm going to be really, really redneck and say it kind of tastes like mango cornflakes. Yeah, you're going to be on, on your own with that. Um, <laughs> like a special K made of mango edition It's kind of what it tastes like. Well, you get like the sour the sour kick right in mm. the front. Mm-hmm. And in the back of the palate, it just, mango just sits back there. Yeah. It's nice. Which I think this would actually be a really cool introductory sour. You know, like a regular Berliner Weiss would, I guess, be that first step for those of you wanting mm-hmm. to get into sours. Um, Chris and I came into the year, <clears throat> and I was... Talking, you know, I've seen all these breweries coming out with all these sours, and I was really bummed that I didn't get to participate in the cam releases all the time. So I felt like that, like, little brother trying to hang out with big brother kind of thing. Like, all the beer nerds are going to the breweries, and I didn't really yeah. do sours at the time. I think we actually gave your cousin some crap for being into sours. Mm-hmm. At yeah. The end of the year. Like, started, that's how bad it was. We started getting more and more into sours because I wanted to buy beer in the cam releases for a while, for a couple months. Like, we're mostly sours for a minute. I remember, like, oh, there trying was to get into good it. Ones. And then, um,. The more we've gotten into sours, and we've tried some really good ones and some ones where I didn't really care for them. But, uh, man, we, uh, I still can't remember where we tried it. The most sour, sour beer I've ever had in my life was that grapefruit one. We were out hopping around town one night looking for beer someplace, hitting breweries, and they happened to have it. It was either Track 7 or New Glory, and it tasted like biting into a grapefruit peel. Like, it was straight up tart, sour, bitter. It was hardcore. I don't think you tried it. Was it New Glory? Maybe. It was over the summer. I don't know. That was a very, very sour beer. 
Ooh. So this is yeah a good segue to uh, discuss our. Well, I think our sour we'll, we'll finish Fantastic. that. Like, so if you're getting into sours, I'd recommend starting yeah. with the regular Berliner Weiss. Oh yeah. Um, Go to Thin Line. And then this like this one specifically, I think would be a nice stepping stone because they're sour, but they're not nearly as sour. Like I think the kettle sour would be next, and then going to like the heavy hitting like barrel aged sours. Oh would be after, man! But there's some barrel aged sours out there that are mm-hmm. they'll knock you down, but they're good. But yeah, uh, go ahead. Go go to what you were saying. Oh, I was just gonna say um, one of the things we wanted to do in this podcast was talk about our uh, some of our favorite beers from the year. And so since this is much more sour than we expected, this barrel aged, it's, it's mm-hmm. really tart in the front. I still can't get over that. Like, we, we each poured, it's a 12-ounce bottle, splitting it in half. I'm trying to work my way through six ounces of it, and it's like a slap in the face every time I put it in my mouth. That's what it's she like, said. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, go first, because uh, it's kind of like you said a minute ago. We started the year not liking sours, but I think you and I were talking about a week ago, and out of if we had like a top five or a top six beers of the whole year, I think half of them would be sour. So, which ones do you like? And what were your so thoughts? So the I think the Oh Yeah series from Track Seven was really fun. Those are the the kettle sours with like Kool Aid added to them. Yeah, those were all pretty good. They're all pretty good. Uh, the watermelon one that I think dropped in it was April, and then they retapped it for Beer Week in May. Um, oh, that was good. so good. This is like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll throw in the new glory key lime. The goza. key lime goes. Uh, was that um, the key lime or the strawberry key lime? Which I prefer you... the regular, but they're both fantastic. Yeah, they um, were both good. We I think we each had a bunch of yeah, regular. Yeah, no, we, we saved four that four stuff. packs of the key lime goza by myself. Um, and I, there are very few beers that we go through that much of. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, it's delicious. And then. The, uh, so, Kilowatts, Cucumber S3 Sour. Any, if you're in San Diego, go to Kilowatt. Get whatever sours they have on draft. They're all fantastic. Wait, the three that we tried were from their S3 series, right? Because they make a series of them. We, we had, had the S3 tangerine, Cucumber, cucumber. T- Tangerine, and then uh, Pomegranate. Yeah. All three good. were amazing. Oh. Uh, the Cucumber might be the best beer I've ever had in my entire life. All right, recap, though, really quick. Um, we thought it was watermelon. Explain the conversation you had with the, the brewery guy. Right, so it's S3 <laughs> Cucumber Sour, and you know Chris and I were both doing really big flights, and we're going to try everything on the board. So we're basically drafting the board like it's a fantasy football draft for our flights with the intention of we're, all, we're both going to try everything in the other one's flight. Well, we both get this Cucumber Sour because we had such big flights that we could afford to double up. And I we're tasting it, and it's like you know this isn't that doesn't taste super cucumbery. It's it's really more like a watermelon. Mm. And he's like, well, you know, if you think about the worst part of a watermelon, it's kind of like the best part of the cucumber. And a lot of the the sweetness that is in the subtleties of the cucumber. He's talking about they use Greek yogurt in their brewing process mm. and brings out some of those sweeter tendencies yeah. of the cucumber and starts to bring out more of that watermelon characteristic. Yeah. Um, and it being a kettle sour, it wasn't as tart as it right. could have been, right? Right. So, right. so I um, 
couldn't recommend them more. Um, that one was good. I really loved uh, the Honeydew Kettle Sour from Track 7. Oh, that was really good. Um, a lot of the... I mean, so many of these beers were Track 7 beers. Uh, the uh, the Honeydew Kettle Sour was so good. Uh, I went actually shot an engagement shoot at Track 7, and I talked up that Honeydew Sour a lot. The couple ended up buying a four-pack for themselves... And then when I showed up to do their wedding, they had bought a second four-pack for me as a surprise. And that's probably one of the coolest things I've ever gotten, shooting a wedding. Mm-hmm. And it stayed pretty well, because a lot of times IPAs and sours don't don't last very well. And it was about a month or two later, it was still delicious. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was still good. That's... And so... What else was... Uh, the 10-barrel cucumber sour was good. That wasn't bad. Yeah, the crush um, series, right? The raspberry yeah, cucumber. Mraz is dropping a lot oh, of really cool they sours. they got some good stuff. The blueberry was good. That's what yeah. we started. Their American GTO sour was fantastic. Uh, the Did you try the pineapple? Uh, we haven't tried it yet. I tried the pineapple, I think, on my own then. Okay. That was not as pineapple-y as I wished it was, but it was still good. Uh, that apple pie sour you had at oh. New Glory. I forget who brewed it, but that was fantastic. The apple pie from, yeah, where were we? We're at Final Gravity. Final Gravity. You I just said New Glory. I'm sorry. We're that's at why Final I was Gravity. confused. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, Final Gravity always has a great sour. I think the one that replaced, so the apple pie one replaced a, a pear, a cinnamon pear pie one that was good. I don't know if you tried that one or not. No, but that sounds fantastic It too. was a little bit sweeter than the apple pie. The apple was a little bit more tart. Yeah. Um, both unfiltered, kind of cloudy. They looked like, like that apple pie one looked like apple pie in a glass. Little brown stuff you can see kind of as cloudy, mm-hmm. the color of an apple. Um, we it's had that barrel aged sour from I believe it was Cascade Brewing. Oh, they, they're up oh. in Portland. All their stuff is great. Yeah, man, Th- those That's are like, those are grown man sours. That's those mm-hmm. are some hefty. Like you really, I think some of it's a little beyond us. If I'm being honest. Um, cause we don't drink the hefty barrel aged sours a ton. Um, oh, uh, the one good beer New Belgium makes, help me out. Uh, oh, they had, um, Oscar. So, well, they had a, the Oscar, the Felix, and they have a third one that we haven't tried yet. Um, uh, there was... So which one's the Blackberry one? It's probably the Oscar. I think Felix was apple barrels, or apple flavor, and the one's Blackberry, and the new one, I can't remember what the new one is, but the Blackberry one was pretty good. That was like... There's no, um, so you have a, like normally you try the beer, right? You have like a taste when I first hit your mouth. Then you have an aftertaste. And then you have like a post aftertaste. You know, this one had like five stages. It was nuts. Yeah. Well, I think that one, as you had it, you know, that was one of those beers where the long, if you were taking a while to drink it and it started to warm up, you're going to get so many different flavors out of that beer in general. Um, we don't have a barrel aged beer to talk about. Uh, beer or talk about it tonight, but that's I think that's one of the things that you and I both really appreciate about barrel aged beers, uh, whether it's a stout, uh, a sour, uh, we've had barrel aged uh, like barley wine stuff like that. Is they change uh, profile on you as they change temperature. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, Ready for number two? Yeah, let's do number two. Um, we're doing hoppas. Yeah, I, all right. Oh yeah, hoppas. Hoppas is good stuff.
So, uh, the one thing I did want to mention before we move on from Sours, uh, we give a lot of crap to Out of Bounds for being, like, basic, but they did come out with that apricot kettle sour that was No, 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 I, okay, Out good. of Bounds, I don't think, I think basic is a, is a little strong. I think they just, uh, if you've had all of their stuff, it makes regular trips to, to the brewery a little bit tricky if you're looking for new releases. Yeah, they don't do a lot of new stuff. So, they, I guess, stale, I think. is Stale, about. yeah. It's a nicer way. They're simple, mm-hmm. and it's, they're stale for us. I mean, a lot of people love Out of Bounds. I think Basics sucks to, to I don't know. I, it's a little too harsh? I, I think so, <laughs> but it kind of hurts my feelings for them a little bit. But No, they're starting to change things up. they got a couple new ones that are coming uh-huh. out. Because uh, that Strawberry Blonde is pretty pretty dope. That's a good That's a good blonde. And then uh, we both like the Juice Blackberry, double IPA. Uh, that, I mean, that whole Juice series is pretty great. Um, but <clears throat> now... We transition into a Northeast Tasty. Sorry, go ahead. What were we going to say about the Out of Bounds Sours? I cut you off and got you sour. Oh, I just said that they made a, the apricot one, which was okay. really good. That was it. I was surprised because uh, that's when you and I were really kind of, that was at midsummer, early summer when they dropped that, and we were both kind of on a good sour kick, and we split yeah. a crowler of it, and it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was really good. Um, this next one we're drinking is uh, the Hoppas Brewing Company. Uh, it's War and Peace, their guava IPA. Um, Chris, help me out. Where are they from? They're from San Jose. There we go. So, uh, ABV 6.5, an IBU of 20. So it's a it's a hazy, but they're absurdly low IBU. That's one interesting thing about Hoppas. Uh, a lot of their beers, like we had the Growler Gang take home last time. It was uh, Butterfly. Oh, thank you. Uh, Butterfly Wings. The, the series that we've been drinking off of are named after nebulas, sort of cloudy. Or hazy. So the Butterfly Wings was a double dry hopped double IPA. Um, Hoppas, I mean, it's interesting because we've liked a lot of their beers, but we've liked a lot of other hazies as well. And that's another type of beer that we weren't really entirely on board with at the beginning of the year. It kind of grew on us. More so, I mean, we were more on board with it than we were the Sours, but I think we had quite an interesting hazy adventure this year. Right, no, but I think some of that came down to us not really understanding what they were. True, very um, true. And the flavor profile behind them. Um, I feel like that beer class I went to, That so I bartended at Red Robin, right, and they had the Sam Adams rep come out and give us a beer class, and he was talking about how there's like West Coast hops that are citrusy, and there's East Coast hops, and those are piney. Hmm. And that's not quite no. how that goes. It's a lot more nuanced than that. So when I saw Northeast Hazy IPAs, I would just assume like really piney, mm-hmm. really floral flavors. And uh, we were more of a West Coast drinkers at the time. Um, well, I feel like a lot of hazies are almost the exact opposite. It's like how do you make it like a citrus, like a citrusier west coast that's smoother and juicier and mm-hmm. um that's obviously not what the intent is all the time um but you know we, as the years gone on we've learned more about the actual brewing process and where you know west coast they're putting the hops in during the boil the hazies they're not doing that as much um you know yeah, that's more of a dry hop thing and yeah and then they don't filter it so it has a different mouth feel right right 100 percent um, they're not as bitter because of the uh, either the way that they're putting the hops in different stages. 
And even some of the hot choices, too. Oh, yeah. Like that. Um, like this one. Do we read the hot profile on this one yet? No. Does it even have it? Oh, it does not. Oh, Idaho 7 and Citra. Um, intermingle with a guafi puree to create a smooth and juicy IPA. So they actually added guava to this one. Yeah. So just like the first one, uh, they've added fruit to it. But it's not. It's they did it in a really classy way. Nice. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't know drinking this that there's actual fruit in it. Mm-hmm. You would think that it come it came from the hops, but it's just they did a really good job, uh, not just picking the hops but blending the hops together to complement that fruit. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things we like about hoppas. It's just, it's never a bad call. I mean, a lot of the beers kind of do kind of blend together if you think about it. They don't have as much variation style wise. Not from what we've seen. Yeah, not you know, from, to be honest, we've, Sacramento, if we're right? being transparent, we've found them at one liquor store. Yeah, they don't really <laughs> sell them anywhere else, but we've tried every single one they've had so far. I think it was a four or five down. They've all been pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like, I mean, I, this one not as much. I know you really are a fan of this one. Um, I prefer. This is my favorite one of all the ones. Yeah, we had. there's a couple of them that I'd rather have, but I mean, thinking about like, if you had to split a four pack with a buddy. You know, you had two pints of this. Would it get old, or would it still be good? This one might still be good. I don't know. We've only ever, we only so, ever split cans, so yeah. I haven't had to. We've never had to go through a full can. Uh, cheers, by the way. Let's get oh, yeah, yeah, cheers. Um, mm. This one has, it's it's really balanced. The fruit addition and the hop. Flavor well, even like really the two balanced. different types of hops, right? So they had the. Uh, Idaho 7 and the Citra, like the Idaho 7 has more of those like earthy tones coming out of it, yeah. and the Citra has that citrusy thing, and the guava kind of sits all in the middle of that, and I think that's... Yeah, if you taste like it, it if it's like like the Citra almost is like this little lining around the outside, like it's just like a, it's not getting a lot of attention, which normally on West Coast uh, beers, you would expect Citra to be the majority of the flavor profile, Yeah. but this one's just a little bit, you know? Yeah, the Idaho 7 and the Guava really carry this. Oh, so good. So then, let's talk about the other hazes we've liked this year. Let's revisit those. So, okay, you said let's talk about the hazes we like, and the first thing that came to mind is a hazy I didn't like. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I didn't like the Dragon Slayer from Track 7 that much. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. It kind of, it tasted... It wasn't really that great. No. But what was really, really funny, uh, another group we bag on, Some a lot of people in the Sack Beer Enthusiast page, I noticed, were all about it. They were all about well, it. Well, they're hazy snobs. They'll only drink hazies, and that's just not our... Like, we'll, we yeah. try to find like a beer of every style that we'll drink. Like That's mm-hmm. really our thing, is to kind of dig in and find something to appreciate about any type of beer. Yeah. But... No, we were at kind of the Brass Tap. I was just about to say yeah, there was that the, night. Go where, ahead. You tell it then. Oh, so him and I, we go, we're movie nerds as well. Um, we might as well start a podcast about movies too. We'll just combine <laughs> all three. But uh, we had complained because we went to that can release for Dragon Slayer. We, neither one of us liked it. But it was really hyped up a lot. There's a lot of people that talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. We didn't like it. So... We're out of Brass Tap about a week later. This is about a week of us uh, bitching about that beer, you know, and joking around. And then, uh, well, one of the reasons why we like going to Brass Tap is because it has such a wide selection. Not only stuff on tap, 
but they have all kinds of bottles from all over the place that you can crack open and drink there. Excuse me. So we're asking one of their servers for some advice because there's so many beers. So, well, okay. I was asking him specifically because I was in the mood for something really hoppy that night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You were asking about – yeah. So then he recommends Dragon Slayer, and I think neither one of us took him seriously the rest of the night. I think that was it. Well, the poor guy. It's not that he just brought it. He brought it up, and I was like, okay, cool. And I was gonna leave it be because, as much as like we know more about beer than the average person, I think what starts to ruin beer is when you run into snobs who want to talk down to people, right? And it's just mm-hmm. like it's, it's beer. You gotta be um, open-minded, right? Yeah. So instead of like saying negative things about the guy, he likes it. He thinks it's hoppy for him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I'm not worried about it. And then when I ordered, I ordered a triple IPA that they had on draft. He's like, I don't know, man. I think the Dragon Slayer is hoppier than that. It's like, there's there's no way. Yeah, Dragon Slayer was really mild. Really, really. Like, it was a mild hazy. And hazies yeah. are already mild. And he's like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's so good. I was like, all right, good, man. Just just bring me, I don't know. That's probably, that story is probably why I get frustrated with that beer in general. And that's probably one of the few Track 7 beers that's come out where I've been like, nah, this is not good. Mm. You know what the other one was? Uh, there was another Track 7 one that was a hazy that we didn't like. Um, it was like Orchard Cutter or something like that. What was it called? Bloomer's Cut. Bloomer's Cut, yeah. Was that a hazy? Well, I, I, th- I want to say it was. I thought it was. Okay, cool. Maybe it was. Whatever I don't even was, remember. You're right. I didn't like That one it was, was not really good. earthy and really... It had, it had like the bitter grapefruit. If you're gonna it go wasn't, west coast, yeah, it wasn't our thing. Yeah. Um, well, I think you guys have heard me mention before. I'm not a grapefruit fan. <laughs> so. That's, um, uh, okay, so hazies we we liked. Uh, we, I was, it, it, they grew on us very quickly. I was into uh, electric lettuce we had from Moonraker. I was into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is funny, Moonraker, and then we had the um, neat or New Glory around here. Both make tons and tons of hazies. Yeah. Tons of hazies. The hazy quad they came out with, I thought it was, was really good. That was really good. I forget what it was called. It came out last month. Yeah. Um, so, Chris and I started really getting into sours. We really were leaning into that from the beginning of the year. We really started understanding them and getting into them about April, May. Uh, we were a lot later to the hazy train mm-hmm. than most people. We didn't really start understanding them and grappling with them. Probably, to be honest, like three or four weeks ago. Like really understanding like the process and what they were and what the differences were. Like It's not like we didn't enjoy them, but I don't think we... Yeah, the the distinction wasn't as clear yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the, the gummy worm chewy pale ale from New Glory. Oh, that's Lab. really good. Uh, well, basically every other... IPA that New Glory puts out to Hazy. Right. And I don't think... There's only been, I, I think, two or three uh, IPAs from New Glory that you and I have had this year that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Out of, and they put out, like, three a week. Like, they're insane. They put out beer all the time. Just like Moonraker. Right. So, you know, because it's the same... Essentially, it's the same guy. Um, which which helps, but... Knee Deep had a couple that were fun. Uh, even that one that you guys just got, the, the I keep hearing everyone talk about it, actually. Uh, the um, oh the, the Voodoo Ranger Voodoo juice Ranger taste. juice yep that one even that one is I mean I don't want to be super negative on this podcast but then you know New Belgium is like that brewery that no one would ever miss if it went away you know <laughs> and they have a, a beer that's decent oh Fat Tire okay Fat Tire is good I remember when I first started their barrel aged sours are good their barrel aged sours are really good um, 
Flat tire's not bad. The Citradelic, I had the, I've the heard lime that's one. That's pretty good. And then the Juiced Ranger is, is doable. Um, I don't like that one as much, but I under I get it. Like it's yeah. super palatable. It's yeah. really, it's hard to have a problem with it. Um, my response to that is, well, it's hard to be impressed with it too. Yeah, yeah. But there's not a lot of mainstream big breweries that are making hazies. You know, like you think about it, all the ones that are approved or owned by like Budweiser, Coors, whatever, uh, they sure. they don't make a lot of hazies. So probably Sierra Nevada is the biggest one that makes. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, do they, you see a, like a hazy Sam Adams? Um, every once in a while. Cool, but I've never seen one. Well, I thought the um, like the winter lager was unfiltered. Is it? Is that no, that's that? filtered. Is it? It's a Bach. Which one? Oh, which one am I thinking? The summer? One of their one of their special editions, their seasonals, is uh, not filtered. Mm, I. I want to say it's the summer. If it's not the winter, it's the summer. Okay, that's not a hazy IPA though. That's it's not a hazy IPA. No, no, no. But that's that's like, I think it makes your point even more clear. There's not a lot of big dogs doing that. Right. And that's about as close as you can get. Blue Moon would probably be, you know, that's the most common unfiltered type of beer. It's just right. A, it's a it's a Belgian wheat ale, you know. So for as popular as these beers are, there's not a lot of places making them that are uh, mainstream, which is why you guys had to end up going with. The juice haste, the Voodoo Ranger. So, right, um, it's getting there. I mean, they're they're getting their popularity. Uh, the big guys are catching on slowly, but that might be, um, like, that that might be one leg up that all the micro and nano breweries have. Sure. The big guys right now. Well, I mean, they have they have Aloha Sculpin. That one's good. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good. Ballast Point. So I mean, that's another big brewery. But yeah. you're, like, it's I mean. Yeah, it's a craft beer thing for sure. Before we start talking about that, there's a beer I had thought of and I can't remember now. It's driving me crazy. Hmm. Oh, Crooked Lane, uh, one two punch. Yes, yes, that one is it's probably my favorite hazy from the year, actually. Really? So good. Oh. Miles really. It's between that and this, actually. I really like this. They're both really fruity hazy IPAs. Yeah. Uh, the the one two punch does it have fruit added? Is it yeah, mango it's a mango. Okay. It's a mango peach something, I think. Yeah, yeah, mango peach. That's a really good IPA. That one's delicious. I'm gonna have to say, I think I've told you this before. Uh, Hoppa's Thor's helmet. It's my favorite hazy of the year. It's good. It's good. I think it's um, you know, <clears throat> so it's interesting. We're doing the Hoppas and then we're doing a double dry hopped beer from Track Seven back to back because. Um, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about is our, not only the hazy adventure, but you, you mentioned that the hazies are dry hopped more often. Mm-hmm. Um, our experience with dry hopped beers this year has been very interesting. We've had some interesting, uh, times. Uh, a lot of that was a confusion of us trying to understand the hazy process mm-hmm. and not understand how they, they're entirely how they're made yet. Uh, that, that's a very recent understanding that you said, but... Uh, it led to a lot of confusion throughout the year, trust trying to figure out how they got certain beers to taste certain ways. Right. So. And using the same hops and when mm-hmm. you add them to the boil and or dry hopping them and the different characteristics that come out for each use. Because um, I'm going to say, we're going to do this next one. Let me finish this one real quick. This is good. This is part of the reason why I'm taking my time tonight 
all these beers are fantastic. So yeah. It's hard I'm to also, like, drink I, them quickly. I, I'm like super thirsty, so I'm like downing mine because they're amazing and I'm thirsty. So, next one is? The next one I'm cracking over right now is uh, Left Eye, Right Eye from Track 7, but it is the Double Dry Hopped El Dorado Edition. And it's uh, one of the hops that Jordan and I have both come to like a lot this year on our hop understanding journey. So, <clears throat> what I was just going to say, though, when you think of a double dry hop beer, you think of a beer like this one. It's uh, got a lot of kick to it. You can tell that there's more hops than a normal double IPA in it. A little bit more floral, a little bit more fruity. Now the auto hops are A lot more aromatic. Smooth. Yeah, it's a lot, that's, there you go. Aromatic was always going for. A lot more smell in it. Um, but we had that beer uh, about a month or two ago. Uh, butterfly wings from Hoppas that was a double dry hopped double hazy IPA with an IBU of like 27. Mm-hmm. With very little kick to it because they weren't putting hops in the boil. Yeah. Which is part of why I didn't like it because I'm like, how do you have a double IPA that has zero bite to it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's because, yeah, because how it's Because the style calls for that. Well, as a comparison, we looked it up. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was like a 35. Mm. Yeah, 32, it's absurdly something low. like that. So, this one from Track Seven is an IBU of 65, nine and a half percent alcohol. This is more along the lines of what you would think when you think of a double dry hop double IPA. I love Left Eye Right Eye. I actually haven't had this version of it before. No. No. Oh. Um, oh, Jordan, it is good. Mm-hmm. There's no description on the can, but Left Eye Right Eye is their double. IPA variant, somewhat loosely based off of Panic, which is a very much West Coast IPA. Did you see the the blood transfusion left eye right eye combo they just dropped? What? They did a double oh, IPA man. version of blood transfusion, mm-hmm. or I think or it's either that or a blood orange version of left eye right eye. I forget because oh, it's called that would be good. Called bloody eye. Hmm. So it's like blood transfusion and left eye right eye. Um, We're going to have to try that. It's supposed to be good. I don't know. I haven't. All right. Well, cheers, sir. I haven't had a ton of beer in the fridge lately. Smell this one first. Smell it. Mm. Smell the Eldorado. Yeah, that that melon's coming out. That's that dry Mm. hopping. It's got kind of a... It's watermelony, but it kind of smells like a syrupy watermelon, almost. Like, really... It's subtle, though. Yeah. It's nice. All right. Go for it. You know, so it's a little bit less, for me in a hoppier beer, it's a little bit less uh, potent than the standard left eye right eye. So is this a single hop beer? It doesn't say on the can, but uh, left eye right eye is based off of uh, Panic, and Panic is more than one hop, right? Yeah, but because this is an Eldorado edition, I'm wondering if... I thought they just dry hopped it with Eldorado, but let's, let's consult the Google... Those of you listening at home, uh, we definitely don't pretend to know everything. Uh, like even a we're little bit. Very, Not even a little bit. <laughs> very transparent that we don't know everything and we don't mind uh, being honest. So we have to look something up. But that's also how we learned. You know, it's a really easy way to learn about beer. Consult the Google. So. Double dry hop, left eye, right eye. I'm not going to find it on there. There's no, no? Way. You don't think so? No, I, that kind of information, I think, is really, really hard to to track down. 
I don't know, at the very least, it's, it's dry It's it's dry hopped with Eldorado. I'd like to tell you, I think, based on tasting it, it doesn't taste like a single hop beer. I think it has a lot more complexity than that. I think it is. I just think that they double dry hopped it just the right way for it to... Wait, you think it is? No, I mean, they double dry hopped it with Eldorado is my assumption. So right, they took the right but the normal hop blend is used in the brewing process. Yeah. That's kind of my, yeah. based on tasting it, that's kind of my um, presumption too. But I think... Uh, so you taste it, you get past that initial, um, the foretaste. And there is a complexity in, you can tell there's yeah, more to the hops. Yeah, it tastes like a blend. Like when we've done the yeah. single hop beers, they've had a very... Um, so are you ready? Point, yeah, go for it. All right, so, so there are five hops used in Left Eye, Right Eye. Okay. So... Uh, can you guess any of them? Let's see. Citra? <laughs> uh, no. Really? No, it's not. Maybe this is a different version. Well, I'm looking at on Track 7's website, Double Dry Hop, Left Eye, Right Eye. You know, I'd have to. Black I mean, a. so, okay, it's been a couple months since I've had it, so let's just. Mosaic? Mosaic's in there. Yep, that's another West Coast staple. Simcoe? Uh, no. Amarillo? Yes. Um, uh, a, Idaho 7? No. There are three hops that are very closely related, uh, taste-wise, to Idaho 7. They're a little different. You cannot? No. They're more common. Think more Cascade. common than that. Cascade's in there. There's We had one from Sierra Nevada that was a single-hopped version with this hop in it. Eureka? No. I can't remember. I don't know. Just hit me with the other ones. Uh, Centennial. Okay. Magnum. Oh, Okay. We had the Magnum from uh, the Hot Bullet. It was all Magnum hops from Sierra Nevada. It was really interesting. Um, turns out, I would guess that a lot of the breweries that we like use Magnum hops. When we're not paying attention, a lot of the beers we like have Magnum hops in them. Just a little subtle. And then it is dry hopped with uh, Eldorado. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So... It explains why this beer does have a lot going on, but in like a really low-key way. Yeah, and to be honest, when we talk about dry hopping beers, this is kind of my expectation, like a typical West Coast double. Yeah. That's what more aromatics. Yep. Then we compare that to that uh, Butterfly Wings. I think the dry hopping, okay, in my opinion, I, I lose, like, I don't think that, like, oh, we double dry hopped a hazy. Like, okay, you, I mean... You're already dry hopping it because it's hazy. Yeah. So, to your argument, too, there's an argument that you made uh, a few months ago. We were just trying to figure out how to explain to a friend of ours uh, the difference between beers, like why um, an IPA from one place is going to be more mellow than a paleo from another place. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is also the brewer's intent, which is the point that you made. Right. So, this could be double dry hopped, but... Still not as hoppy as a single dry hopped beer from another place. Yeah. Or the aromatic well, wise. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And some of that's. Yeah. So I guess that would come down to like amounts of hops used when dry hopping or types of, type of hop used when dry hopping. Mm -hmm. And the double dry hop, I think, just refers to like being moved to another carboy and dry hopped again. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to look into so that's, that. That's the homebrew talk for that um 
but yeah, I mean, there's, there's yeah, the water's murky, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So the ones we have after this are uh, resilience. Um, we have a mallow, but what's the other what's the other crowler you got? It's the Russian Imperial oh, Stout that's right. from Sacktown Union. I forget what it's called. Okay, so between this beer and resilience, we're obviously going to talk about trying resilience and talk about the fires and stuff. But uh, recap on some of our favorite IPAs, you know, in general over the year. We just did the hazies. We had our haze experience. You and I have both been fans of IPAs for at least two or three years. I mean, hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. After drinking all the beers that we tried this year, um, Hoptologist used to be one of my favorite double IPAs. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of taken a backseat because uh, it's it's really citrusy and piney. It's extremely West Coast. But trying some other beers from around the country, you know, like an American IPA or like a, you know an East Coast IPA... It's. I feel like we've expanded our horizons a little bit. So as... yeah, I'll I'll kind of speak to that. Um, I think the most memorable trip, as far as really realizing how different beer scenes are, is when I went to Madison, mm. Wisconsin. Yeah. In February, you know, they have a, a really killer beer scene. There's um, it's very similar to Sac, both in like the rural location. Um, it's basically Sacramento with a bunch of lakes um, <laughs> and a bunch of organic food. Really cool place to go check out. I, for like, I it's really kind of hard to fly into. That cool? Was that a pun? Shut up. Because uh, <laughs> weren't you there when it was like freezing. really it was really three cold? Degrees when I landed. Yeah, yeah three degrees. <laughs> you should never be able to count the temperature on one hand, people. Do not um, ride your bicycle when it's less than. 10 they do degrees. that. They do yeah. that. They have no problem with that, but. I uh, checked out this restaurant called The Old Fashioned. There was a bar, really. Um, really great food. Uh, really awesome tap list. My Uber driver that picked me up from the airport recommended it to me. And um, I tried three or four different IPAs. Uh, the two breweries that really stood out the most to me were Ale Asylum and Lake Louie. And... It was funny, when I first sat down with the bartender, I was like, yeah, we got a new West Coast. You know, we don't get a lot of that out there. If you want a West Coast IPA, we have that. I was like, well, I'm actually from California, so I don't want that. <laughs> I want to try something new. And all the IPAs I had, and most of the beer I had for that trip, all had, like, so much more of, like, an earthy tone to it. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, yeah. everything out here has so much of, like, a citrusy, dry, crisp thing going for it or like even like these hazies like citrusy juicy like mm. I, there weren't hazies in madison no you're I'll, so you're talking uh that's the midwest that's like you can't change beer too quickly out there because they're still drinking like hams mm-hmm. Olympia, like, even like, though i was at a bar that had craft beer like they mm-hmm. still had schlitz and spotty cow yeah so you, you, that's it's gonna be a while for them to be changing their their scene uh, to keep up with the coastal, east coast, west um, coast. But they're, they're good beer. They're, they're, like, all the beer I had I thought was oh, yeah. good. Um, if you if you like lagers and you like uh, basic ales and you know some stouts, uh, you're going to like a lot of those Midwest beers. But I, I had a similar experience in Michigan with um, IPAs. Mm-hmm. They're just it, – it really – we're spoiled out here <laughs> on the west 100%. coast. We're totally 100%. spoiled. So. Um, as far as beers that really left an impression on me that were IPAs, I think my favorite IPA from this year has been Collective Gravity. 
Oh yes, that was that was good. Uh, the triple IPA from Revision, mm. just so unbelievably smooth and um, just, that was that was really easy to kill a tall bottle, but that was that was strong stuff. So you know, I'm still a sucker for Juice Blackberry. It's not nearly as high the vibe out of bounds. Um, not nearly as high on my list as it as it was you know mm-hmm. a year or so ago. It's still good. I mean, if someone handed um, you a bottle right now, you'd probably be happy about it, right? It's, it's yeah. a good beer. And I think what kind of speaks to how much I really love Track 7, I guess, is Left Eye, Right Eye is still one of my favorites. Oh, oh um, yeah. If you want a West Coast double, that's kind of where it's at. Left Eye, Right Eye is fantastic. Uh, anything, again, like anything by Moonraker, New Glory, is usually probably really fantastic. What do you say, like an average 7 out of 10? I mean, it's always going to be good. It's, yeah, it's always it's, passable. It's yeah. always it's always better. Okay, it's most likely slash usually better, at least to me, than a lot of what you'll find in like Rayleigh's or Safeway. Oh, for sure. Um, um, but if you compare that, then like um, Collective Gravity was like an eleven out of ten. Yeah, like broke you know the I mean? scale. Like yeah, yeah, that was some good stuff. So good. Um, mm. Yeah, we had a lot of good ones. Well, um, what about some of those ones? I guess we didn't really try a lot of IPAs down in San Diego, did we? We kind of ran the spectrum. A lot of blondes. A lot so of no, no, we. So you just like the uh, Ballast Point had that IPA that was aged oh, in Chardonnay the, barrels. The, uh, was, the Brute. That's right. Oh, the Brute IPAs that we've been trying pretty are pretty good too. Well, that um, one that was aged in a Chardonnay barrel was a, a Ballast Point Brute. Oh. It was a Brute style IPA. I didn't IPA. realize it was a Brute IPA. And then they aged it in Chardonnay barrels. Oh. And, yeah, it was. That's cool. I thought it was a West Coast. That's cool. Um, that's the yeah, Chateau de Brut by oh, yeah, Fort Rock is really amazing. That's been a really interesting thing to follow is this new champagne style of beer. It's it's a whole it's just a process change, but it changes like the drinkability and what's really weird with those beers is there's no aftertaste. There's nothing. Well, I mean, so it has that dry finish like mm-hmm. you you get out of um, champagne. Yeah. But if you like West Coast IPAs, I feel like 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 why wouldn't you like Brut IPAs? West Coast IPAs already have that dry finish. Yeah, um, and the brute IPAs just kind of capitalize on that. Yeah, and they're they're a little bit less. So you can take a a West Coast and uh, add the enzymes to it, turn it into a brute. And it's going to be a little bit more easy to drink. It's a little bit more hmm. palatable, a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Even though it's you can have the same beer. Uh, it's just that that getting rid of the excess sugar, getting rid of that that aftertaste, making it the dry finish really lightens the beer. The not the not lighting. It doesn't make it physically lighter. Doesn't change the color. Um, it just it's just a different drinking experience, and I wasn't expecting that when we first started trying those brutes. But it's, no, it was a pleasant surprise. I'm surprised that hasn't caught on more. Um, yeah. I really loved the the cryo beers we had. Oh um, yeah, track seven cryo thing one and cryo thing two. Um, for those who don't know, they 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 dry hopped, they triple dry hopped an IPA with cryogenically frozen hops. Um, from the little bit of reading I did about cryo hops, it's like they extract the lupulin from the whole cone hops and then cryogenically freeze it. Um, and my understanding is that gets rid of some of the floral characteristics that come with the whole cone approach and only brings out the flavors from the lupulin. Yeah. That's That's based on like 15 minutes worth of reading and should be taken with a grain of salt, but... Those beers um, were very interesting because you, you see one, like the one we both liked had Simcoe hops in it, 
it was Simcoe and what was it? It was another hop in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you drink it, and it, it's like familiar because it tastes similar to Simcoe, but it's not exactly Simcoe flavored. Right. You know what I mean? Right. The because with, you're not used yeah. to having just the straight lupulin. The same with that the other one, the either thing one or thing two. The other one was 100% Citra, but it wasn't as bitter. Right. It it was it still had Citra flavor. But it was just different. It was a weird experience, and if you guys can find those beers or if they do it again, highly recommend it. Anything, Anything cryo. cryo, I would recommend getting. Um, I really loved that Sacktown Union Elbus IPA we had like a month ago. Uh, that, was, that was a West Coast IPA with Simcoe and Amarillo hops. Yeah. Nothing fancy. Yeah, I... that was good. Which is Sacktown Union's coming up. They're making some stuff. Uh, normally, you know, they're not too, uh, yeah. no one talks about them very much. You know, they're not that the big, big ones here in SAC. They're kind of a smaller one, but they're getting some good stuff in. They're, they're making I some like good them. beer. Yeah. I didn't get off to a good start with them because I had a double IPA by them that I absolutely hated like eight months ago, but. Well, I think you and I had that. That was the, uh, that was one of their staple IPAs, wasn't it? No, I don't think no, it was. I had, uh. I had one of the, their staple IPA and it didn't taste like it was very well made to me. That was all. And so it kind of turned me off to trying other things by them, um, which is, again, me not being very adventurous. Part of that, i got to own that. But, you know, if I'm going to drink some beer, I'm going to go to a place that I know makes good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because, you know, this beer's not cheap. <laughs> it's a little ridiculously priced for how much it actually cost them to make it. Right. To be honest, but I think we accept that. Yeah. It's part of the culture. We have to, yeah. Yep. Um, and that, I mean, or even, like, so New Glory's Mindshaker series comes to mind, too. Um, those aren't beers that I absolutely love, but I think if you're listening and you're like, God, shut up about IPAs, I'm not really into IPAs, if you keep tabs on New Glory and go try the Mindshaker, like, the milk, the milkshake IPAs. Oh, those are add lactose. good. Like, yeah. they're sweet and fruity and still yeah. have some hop characteristics to it, so... Very full, like kind of a velvety mouthfeel too. Really smooth, soft. Yeah, a really, really great way to start getting into IPAs, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, not a lot comes to mind. You know, I guess some of that is we came into this year knowing a lot about IPAs I think I think that was really where we we drank a lot of IPAs that was where we really started expanding our palate first and then we got into darker beer and then coming into this year it was like hey let's get into sours and then yeah. the hazy train hit us too and we're like oh let's get into this um, yeah so most most of our growth was not through the traditional, the, the normal well, I guess IPAs most of to, what right? we were so. searching for, like I distinctly remember going, you know, three or four months being like pretty turned off by IPAs. Like I wasn't really reaching for them super regularly. Yeah. Well, at the same time too, I mean, it's hard to put your finger on it. We've probably had sixty or seventy new IPAs this year. <laughs> you know. Okay, I was gonna avoid saying it. It's. I think it's easier to make a really good IPA than it is to make oh, a, good, yeah. a good sour or a good um, like when we were at Fort Rock and the guy was talking about pilsner process and it's way harder to make a pilsner than like a blonde ale or a pale ale. Um, so I yeah. think some of them just kind of get lost in the woodwork. 
Uh, and as I'm saying that, uh, Belching Beaver Digital Bath popped into my head. Digital Bath was good. That one. That whole Deftone series, I think, is fun to uh, try. Um, Phantom Bride was good. Uh, Digital Bath was, I think, the first hazy that I really, really, really was on board with. That was good. Uh, if you remember, though, it's kind of like a, it had like a weird truffle earthy kind of a, a vibe to it. It's not your traditional fruity hazy. Which one? Digital bath. Okay. It wasn't Perfect. very fruity. I, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember too well. It was almost as... like an earthy, spicy, sure. hazy. No, I just remember really enjoying it. It was I don't really necessarily good. Necessarily remember why. It was different. It was just so different off the wall. I mean, they knocked that one out of the park with a beer that you definitely remember. You know, a whole different yeah. experience. Yeah. So that was that was good. I'm trying to think. Even like our San Diego trip, I think the Ballast Point IPA was the only one that really stuck out. Yeah, I mean, or like Watermelon Dorado is a beer I really like by them too. We had they didn't have that though, did they? When we were down there, we did have it. No, they had it. They no, had, they absolutely had we it. Had, that's um, right. I had a pint of it. Um, that's a good beer. That's a, a watermelon double. That gets that's a lot a of hate. Good. That gets a lot well, of hate. You know, you can do watermelon in a beer that's not. A wheat beer, you know what I mean? Like that's we think watermelon. I like is, it a lot, and summer I think it's fantastic. But the watermelon is actually what people hate about it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, well, you can do Dorado regular, but Dorado regular is like a really heavy, piney West Coast double, and so you might as well save your money and go. I mean, it's a little bit more expensive for Dorado than it is for Left Eye Right. I think Left Eye Right is a better beer. I agree. If you're talking about doubles, uh, Hoptologist is a better beer. I agree. So I'm there. I'm just telling you, watermelon Dorado gets a lot of hate. I think the watermelon, adding the watermelon, really mellows out the hops. And that beer, when you drink it, if no one told you how strong that beer was, you wouldn't believe it. It's 10%. It does not taste like a 10% double IPA. <laughs> yeah. It creeps It'll up hit you on pretty you. hard. Buying a six-pack is actually buying a 12-pack. Yes. Based so, on alcohol content. And then when you think of watermelon beers, like 21st Amendment has their watermelon wheat. Uh, that's really good. There's another one uh, I can't remember right now that's a watermelon wheat. Uh you know, we had watermelon uh, sour. Not a lot of people are doing watermelon IPAs. There's, there's, I mean, I think I've only seen two, and one of them was held Oh, that or, raspberry IPA that we just had a thin line like last week. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, that's right. Well, again, thin line, knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So we just happened to stumble in the day after they released it. They don't have a ton of Facebook press release stuff. Um. But they're totally worth checking out. Um, oh, yeah, they're great. Let me go grab that resilience, man. Yeah. Um, so... Before you talk, I'll, I'll cut this out. But what are they doing, man? Oh, they uh, were they swapping jerseys? I think so. Yeah, they just take it's it's a thing. Oh. Just, I respect okay. you. You respect me. Cool. Um. All right. We'll take a pic. We'll give each other our jerseys, and you take them home. Print them, put them on your wall or something. Cool. All right. So this next one, we're doing resilience. Um, it's the Sacktown Union version of Resilience. 
Um, I really wanted some kind of resilience on the podcast just because I think um, Sierra Nevada is just an amazing brewery. Well, no other brewery has or any kind of beer has really done what resilience has been doing this year as far as uh, involvement, uh, brewery outreach. Um, it's, a, it's a national scale. You know what I mean? It's on the national scale now. Yeah, and I think it's it's very it's never happened before. Um, you know, being in California, being relatively close to the Paradise Fire, I think was probably I'd say moderately eye opening for both of us. Oh yeah. Um, without being super close to the damage, so I want to say moderately eye opening because I feel like we both gained a lot of perspective. Yeah, from that fire, but we weren't nearly as affected by some of you. So we have people who are affected by the fire and listening. Like we could never fully understand what someone might have lost mm-hmm. in that fire, but um, I guess coming to terms with what that looked like and the devastation, well, being so close to home, I think yeah. um, gave us both some perspective on that. So we didn't. I want to say you guys ever heard of the six degrees of separation that the whole Kevin Bacon thing. Uh, for me, it was more like two degrees of separation. Um, I knew a lot of people that were directly impacted. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, Sacramento and the Bay Area, we had our really awful air quality because we're not that far from Chico. Mm-hmm. We were directly affected by the smoke from the fires. Even if we didn't lose anything, mm-hmm. we still you know, were feeling some of it. It was in our face. You know, It was like one of those things where normally for natural disaster, uh, you can watch it on the news you don't really have a connection. It's somewhere really far away. But this one, there was mm-hmm. no way around it. It was it was local. It was our neighbors. Right. So. Right. No, no, no. And um. Yeah, but I guess my my whole point was you know knowing someone that's gone through it versus going through it. You know, at Red Robin, I've bartended for people yeah. who are staying at the hotel because they've lost everything. Um, like. It's just tricky. Like, what do you even say to someone at that point? Like, the, you know? like uh, you can't much, Not much you can say, really. That sucks, man. So, you already know that, but <laughs> I'm sorry. So I think maybe you and I are both in agreement that uh, if you ever see resilience at a bar or a brewery, you should buy it. Immediately. Because, uh, yeah. The whole point of resilience IPA was that all the proceeds go directly to the fire victims. Mm-hmm. And, and over a 1,000 breweries made it. Yeah, across the country. So it's – I mean, Sierra Nevada is really um, – that they're they're kicking ass on that. Okay, so also, so as beer snobs, we saw an opportunity. Uh, that everyone's making resilience, but everyone has a slightly different twist on it. So, oh buy really? It, buy it to uh, support the fire victims, of course. But also, if you're curious, you can buy it. To compare breweries directly because they're all supposed so, to make so the same So do you recipe. know that for a fact that they're all different? Because well, I, I heard that they're they're all encouraged to make it the same. That's so, what I heard. So what's it's what you heard. But uh, three or four days ago, I was down in Old Folsom at a bar. They happened to have a keg from Loomis Basin. It was Resilience, mm-hmm. and so I bought some immediately. I didn't even look at the other beers on the board. I bought some immediately, tried it. Um, it was not the same color as this one. Uh, pouring out of the can. This one looks more like an amber ale. The other one that I had looked more like a Track 7 Panic. Okay. Before you continue, so, let's, uh, let's cheers and taste. In. Cheers and taste. All right. Smell it. So what I we can got? drink beer while you talk. Keep going. We'll talk about the tasting notes in a minute. Yep. So, 
the resilience that I had from Loomis Basin. Uh, it was really good. It was really good. I thought it was a good West Coast IPA. Um, kind of a dark golden color, like a dark yellow. Oh, this is like, yeah, this, this is, is amber like to amber. red. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't, like this one, it's a little bit more bitter. Like a dark, carp, dark copper color. Yeah, so that's, I mean, they're all supposed to be making it the same. But then talking to my dad, who I was with, um, him and I were discussing the possibilities. There could be different suppliers of the grain, could be different suppliers of the hops, different equipment, uh, different uh, personal flair on manufacturing. Who knows? There's a lot of variables, even though you're making the same recipe with supposedly the same ingredients. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good way to directly compare all your favorite breweries. Yeah. At least for nuances, right? Yeah. Um, so when we were driving, so last night Chris and I were driving around picking up beer for us to try for this podcast, specifically specifically different beers that would highlight just our relationships with beer and what we've gone through this year as far yeah. as beer tasters and, uh, um, you know, picking beers that were also important to us. Um and breweries that were important to us. And when we were driving, you said something that kind of that makes me think about this, the way this looks. Um, you know, if you think about Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, mm-hmm. um, you were talking about how if they made Sierra Nevada Pale Ale like an IPA instead mm-hmm. of like you know the torpedoes dry hopped. If they took mm-hmm. a torpedo, didn't dry hop it, it was like just a regular IPA that Sierra Nevada just put their name on it and put mm-hmm. IPA on it, like so many breweries do. It was just a step up from their pale ale. That's what this reminds me of. See, that's so we just talked about Brewer's intention of, of a little while ago. This is exactly what, like, if you think about it, this is probably what the Sierra Nevada people had in mind. That's well, that's, right? yeah, that's so. If then, I had to venture a guess, that's what. I, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with this. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So next week, which is actually ironically before New Year's, but. Uh, will be before you hear this podcast because this is technically a New Year's podcast. Uh, we will be trying the Sierra Nevada one directly. Mm-hmm. I'll be going up there to get some. Uh, well, you know, we'll it just see. dropped in stores this week. In stores, huh? Mm-hmm. I just saw a post last night after you left. I saw a post that was in stores. Oh, but, well, I'll um, have to find a different excuse to go up to Chico then. That's fine. <laughs> um, I was less concerned with the brewery that made it, and maybe that's on me. Um, I just... To me, this even though Sacktown Union might have brewed it, and maybe they put their own little spin on it. Like I've seen the recipe, I have a copy of the recipe. It has mm-hmm. a very Sierra Nevada feel to it. Yeah. Um, well, this one from Sacktown Union is a very Sierra Nevada feel to it. Right, hundred percent. And um, even though you know we're doing another beer from Sacktown Union later, uh, this was more of a Sierra Nevada feature because I think we've really sort of used them as the benchmark. For our beer growth, you know, we did we went and did the tour um, a little over a year ago. Yeah, and uh, you know, we were kind of blown away. Um, that was we were still early in our brew, our craft beer. It was more like an hour, a year and a half ago. Now I think about it, we're yeah, still it pretty early in our craft beer tasting experience and our journey. Um, just still kind of learning about how you know tasting the beer at the brewery tastes so different than with when you get in cans. Yeah. Um, and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale only just 
Oh, it um, tastes like a, it's a whole new beer at the brewery. At the brewery, it's yeah. So good. Um, oh. So from tasting the beers there to um, well, the tour itself is the, one of the best. Just seeing the you know oh, the packing so plant awesome. to the hop room to tasting the grains. Yeah, that's. Um, so I think you and I went back. We didn't get to taste the grains in the second round. No. But tasting the grains really does open your eyes to uh, some of the aftertaste, some of the flavors you mm-hmm. get in the beer. Uh, putting your hands into a pile of hops and rubbing them around and smelling them, and they have the different hops in the different bins where you can directly mm-hmm. compare. That was really like that was eye-opening stuff. And I can I can sell that tour in four words: free tour, free beer. Oh yes, right, and the free beer. You get about three free beers. Well, it's a pint. It's a pint. It's a full pint, but they give you three or four samples that are about three or four ounces a piece. Okay. Um, it ends up being about a full pint usually. Mm. Sometimes you get a good tour and you're about a pint and a oh, half. And but then they give you a pint when you first get there too. When? Well, the first time we went, they gave us a well, it's twelve or a pint little glass. You drink that when you're oh, watching the yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They you gave us sit down. They get you hooked um, on it. Brainwashing. Okay, so the course. tasting at the end of the tour. Yeah, the tasting at the end um, is a whole nother. They have three or four different tiers of tours. That some you can pay for and go do some more in depth stuff. Oh, that's right. You and I are um, supposed to do that. The um, Beer Nerds Tour, yes. that's like a four-hour... Oh, man, that sounds amazing. Um, the free one was incredible. I can only imagine the other ones, you know? Right. So the first time we went, you know, we were blown away by the hop room, and that was what kind of got me coming to this year thinking like, hey, let's learn about hops. Let's um, start thinking about, like, what are we actually tasting? Like, when you read a food yeah. menu, you can know what, like, if someone says it's a burger with guacamole, bacon, and onions. Like, you already know what that tastes like. Mm-hmm. So if someone says it's a West Coast IPA with citrus, Simcoe, and Amarillo, and they're all added in during the boil, and this is the color of the grain, um, you well, should have a good idea of what that's going to taste like. Yeah. Um, well, so when we did our second tour at Sierra Nevada, it was kind of funny. Um, almost all of the hops we knew and knew the tasting notes for and could like smell them and really understand the perspective yeah. of the hops in the beer. So that's why I think Sierra Nevada oh. has been, been such like a benchmark brewery for us. And continues to be because you know we're gonna go do that beer nerds tour in you know next month, yeah, or in February you know in the next couple months and kind of mm-hmm. figure out. Um, so remember um, the beer that really got us interested in hops. It it was the uh, the tour, right? We did the tour. That was really cool. But what else happened on that tour? Do you remember? I think you were with me. We tried uh, the beer that got me into hops was Tropical Torpedo. That's right. That's okay. I had just released. It. Good. I'm glad we're talking <laughs> about the same thing. I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so Tropical <laughs> Torpedo. If you've never had it, so Torpedo itself is a dry hopped uh, IPA that Sierra Nevada makes, where mm-hmm. they have a a torpedo machine. That's, that's one of the first beers to use citra hops, by the way. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, so they take this machine and they dry hop the shit out of it with the beer, and it kind of spirals through. It looks like a torpedo. Um, well, they did a tropical version where they used mosaic, and it tastes like passion fruit and guava and something else. And like some pineapple. Like yeah, it's good. We were like, we were blown away because we talked to the guy pouring the beer. He said there's no fruit in it, and that's kind of what sparked our interest in. Uh, hops and how much influence the hops have 
on the outcome of a beer. Mm-hmm. It was mind-blowing that you can have a beer that tastes like you would swear Tropical Torpedo has fruit in it, but it is not a fruity beer. It mm-hmm. is purely hops, malt, water, yeast. Mm-hmm. So that's like that started our journey there. So this is yeah. And then for you know for for them to uh, for Santa Nevada to come out and drop resilience and be a charitable brewery mm-hmm. and to be making an impact on their community. I mean you and to just make great beer too. Like you just have a, a hard time being critical of them. You know, I've even, to be honest, like, I've looked for reasons, like, oh, they're too corporate. Like, all of the beer is super mainstream. And, yes, what you see in the stores is usually pretty mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but go go to the brewery, and you'll, like, go to the restaurant, get the pretzels with the beer cheese. Oh, it's, that, it'll change your life. The torpedo um, beer cheese creme brulee style. Oh, oh it's, it's so amazing. good. Amazing. Um, but... Last time we went, you know, they had gotten hops from, um, I think it was the, the African hops, and they were making two or three different beers with African hops that they thought were really interesting because you get, like, really earthy tones and really tropical tones out of these hops, or something like that. I forget the exact tasting notes, but they had just, like, a wide breadth of uses, and so, it was cool trying a pale ale and an IPA, and I forget, there's a third style of beer that had it, um... So that was um, a lot of times they'll do uh, regional hops uh, beers. I think that's what you know. Try it was just, it was a pale ale, a single, and a double IPA. Mm-hmm. But they all had this those hops in, it in different amounts, different variations. And uh, I think that's so good. That's what you're putting your finger on is that Sierra Nevada still does experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. They still play around, even though they're huge. Huge. They still play around. Absolutely. I mean, and that's um, that to me. That's the difference between going to them and like going to a knee deep. Like, to mm-hmm. me, Knee Deep, they do new stuff, but it's all, it's kind of stale. Like, it's just IPA after IPA after IPA to me, whereas Sierra Nevada, I don't know, just has, like, a vibe to them, where they're trying yeah. new stuff all the time, and um, even though they're really big now, they have two plants, you know, they have, like, yeah. s- such great visibility. Um, they It's like they haven't forgotten the roots and where they came from, you know, like, they're from Chico, so close to Paradise. And to get like over a thousand breweries to just donate all of the funds, all the proceeds to the victims, because like mm-hmm. so many of those victims, you know, it's really hard to get insurance in that area. Yeah. Um, they just lost everything, and you know, they lost their jobs too. Their jobs burned down, and their jobs didn't have insurance on their buildings. So yeah, they're starting over in Sierra Nevada. Hopefully, you know, Chris and I'd like to think, because um, we're we're usually optimistic people when it comes to these sort of circumstances that. Sierra Nevada might just be the thing that tips the scale to help, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands maybe, get 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 back on their feet because we're we're drinking beer. Yeah, that's so. Again, well, not again. I don't know if it's again, but a lot of people bag on beer drinkers, and uh, it is a very very diverse. It's a very big world now. The craft beer scene is huge. Once you get involved, um, a lot of people don't realize that from the outside. But then you also have this, we're all in it, we're all drinking beer, we might as well buy some beer that's going to benefit the world. So this, the, all the, the beer community, sorry, oh, I had to burp, there we go, <laughs> the beer drinking community across the country banded together to help, and yeah. uh, that just shows it's not just beer, it's more than beer, and that's kind of... Now, you and I have felt it's been kind of more of an adventure. We've met a lot of cool people along the way. Done some mm-hmm. really cool stuff in the name of beer. We met some really awkward people, too. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, we have. <laughs> so, no, but you're you're right. It's definitely been a journey. Um, I think even it's just changed how I like taste food. Um, yeah. So that was one of the interesting things that happened to uh, me when I started drinking IPAs, and uh, I noticed that I tasted more things in the foods that I had eaten, like. Go out to dinner, go to an Italian restaurant, you can taste the uh, the herbs and spices more. Maybe you can taste a little bit more of the tomato sauce. Or go out for pizza, something simple. never realized that a pizza place you go to has a lot of undertones, a lot of subtle flavors going on. Mm-hmm. Kind of expands your palate that way. Yeah. So, uh, it's just, uh, I get a lot of, of flack for it, for being super, I, I, I really, really like drinking beer. I really enjoy it. Uh, even if it was, uh, like you know, borderline, might be alcoholic. If it was alcohol free, I would still probably drink all of these beers just for the flavors, just for the experience, the culture, all the people we've met, the places we've gone. Mm-hmm. It is is so much more than that. that that's kind of what this this beer resilience kind of is trying to embody. I feel like was trying to kind of bring in. Right, and I think. Um... You know, for us, it's been just like a pressure release thing in so many ways. Like, uh, I guess I, I've sort of like Pavloved myself. Like, yeah. Into yeah, like, if I, <laughs> it's the off switch. Yeah. It's the off switch. Like, if I drink a beer, that's, um, like everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's really interesting. We did our first podcast. Um, this is this will be our third now, but our, our first one, uh, they just went live uh, in December. It, it's we wanted to do an introductory where we just kind of drink beer and talk about beer, and that's the, the reason why we chose to do that is that's because that's that's what we do every Sunday night. It's what we get together, we just drink beer, talk about life, talk about beer. That's it. At least every been, Sunday. Yeah, uh, if and it's not been, a midweek meeting. I tell you what, guys, um, this is like a therapy session that only costs you about twenty bucks a session. You know, mm-hmm. we'll split a four pack, and uh, I feel much better. So, what would you, if okay, someone who has had some beer, and you you say, well, what are your favorite beers? And you say, oh, well, I really like Great White by Lost Coast. I like Sam Adams Boston Lager. Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is okay. Um, you know, I really like Fat Tire. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Blue Moon. Yeah. What what and someone that wants to get more into beer are they they're Sacramento based I'm assuming sure yeah they're, okay. they're, people we meet and they drink they drink people like what the beers I just named to most of the population that's good that's expensive yeah. beer yeah and um there's no disrespect to any of those beers I named but you know the beer world like that's you're in the kiddie pool and you're in the beer yeah. world and when you talk about expensive want, beer it's within a dollar most of the times of some really fantastic beer. If you know where to look, right? That's kind of what you're asking. 100%. So what would so someone says, hey, I want to get into beer. What should I do? The first question you're going to ask, what do you drink? Okay? Mm-hmm. I gave you that. Okay? So what um, do you drink? Here's the list of beers I drink that I just mentioned. What do you tell them? I'm going to tell them. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm going to tell them to go to Fort Rock. Okay. First. Why? They have uh, the Marzen. They have their craft lager, which are going to be very accessible. But you'll get that the difference between your mass-produced lager and a craft lager. 
And most people like lagers. If you drink Coors, you drink Boston Lager, you're probably so going to like... So when you say the craft lager, you're specifically talking about the... Um, no apologies, Hell's Lager, they have right now. Okay. Uh, um, and what about the Damn that, Good Pilsner? Damn Good Pilsner's good. Okay. You can transition into the Marzen they have on tap. That's cool. also very good. Um, they have a very mild... Is it stout or a porter? They have a dark beer right now that's really easy drinking, really good, not too complex. So I think I agree with you. So, you know, you can branch out and go with the Patagonia mm-hmm. Pale Ale if you want to do a flight. That's a really easy going Pale Ale. Right. Well, that's my thing is if you don't complex. if you don't drink hoppy beers, that's a yeah. nice that's a nice gateway. But it has a lot of a lot of layers to it still. It's a very good beer. It mm-hmm. seems kind of meh when you first drink it, but there's a lot to chew on once you start diving into it. There's a lot of flavors there. Mm-hmm. So that and you can transition into. They have a good hazy right now. They have a couple of good standard IPAs. Uh, Foggy goggles is always a good time. So good. That's <laughs> also, gonna be to, to a new beer drinker. I think that's not into super hoppy beers. I think that's gonna be a little extreme. Yeah, foggy goggles for someone who's not super into beer is like a good night beer. It's ten percent or nine point eight percent. So I guess that's we're gonna be. Whew. You're you're kind of hitting at the point that I was hoping you hit at, and that's why we're best friends. Um, oh. beer buddies for life. Um. I guess I would tell people find a brewery you like and go. That's so. The advice that I always give to someone is actually I'm walking a friend of mine through this right now. She wanted to get into beer. She drinks wine. Getting her into beer. Uh, I told her just to go to a liquor store that has single cans that you can buy, pint cans. Buy a couple different kinds. Try them. If you like them, pay attention to where they were made and go there. And that's where you start. Well, sure. So, we but we're, we're talking about – okay, so you're talking about someone who doesn't really like beer and wants to get into beer. Yeah. I'm talking about someone who already likes beer and wants to experience the craft beer scene. I would say the same more, thing, though. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, you can go to the store. But even, like, my thing is, like, okay, if you have a brewery you like already in there within driving distance, mm-hmm. go. Even if that's yeah. Lost Coast. Like, drive the five or six hours it takes to get there. Go try the beer. It'll taste like you'll you'll just see the difference, and it'll be even things you like, right? If we went, if we drank a six pack of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and tried to give you tasting notes on what we thought, and then we went to the restaurant at you know in Chico and tried to do tasting notes on the same beer, it'd be so different. Yeah. So different. Yeah. Same beer, so different. Just the experience would be so different. Um, and I think even you know. Um, to some of our listeners who might think, oh, that's in a can, in a bottle, versus on tap. Uh, the first brewery we ever went to was together. Where's the first craft brewery we ever it went to? It wasn't Rubicon. They're closed now. Mm, uh, American River. American River. Mm. Rancho Cordova. I was trying to remember the name because they're Old Republic now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what were they before? Coloma Brown was their brown ale. Yeah. Red Robin pulled their Newcastle handle for Coloma Brown. That was uh, so much better. Uh, hints of chocolate and toffee. Mm-hmm. Or chocolate and caramel. Sorry, not toffee. Um, the red ale had toffee and caramel. Uh, chocolate and caramel. And uh, was just fantastic. And I remember going to the brewery and the brown ale, even on draft at Red Robin, it's shipped from Rancho Cordova. You know, it's 20 miles mm-hmm. shipped. Even still tastes different. Mm-hmm. Not as substantially as, you know, some of the difference. Like if you had Boston Lager in Sacramento versus going to Boston having Boston Lager, which I've done. Yeah. Um, 
No, the difference isn't quite as substantial as that, obviously. But even just having it at the brewery and experience, you know, you, then you can try so many things that the brewery has there that um, don't get put in stores. And oh, you know what else? If you get the right uh, server, the right person pouring beer, you can ask them all the questions in the world that you possibly could have about that beer, and they might be able to answer those for you. And that's really how you expand your beer knowledge. It's mm-hmm. a good way. you got to right. go to the source. Right. Yeah. 100%. Um, Don't pause it real quick. No, you're good. Uh, you'll have to edit that part out. It's just me sitting there listening. Um, no, I do think... Uh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> Pardon the crazy old people. You're right. Um, no, asking people, you're correct. Asking mm. people at the brewery um, about beer, I think, is some of the best ways to learn. It's also one of the easiest ways to get frustrated. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, just yes. Just because, uh, like, even we went to Auburnell House. They have a full flight of everything they have on draft, which is like, it was. Uh, like 22 samples. Yeah, when we went, it was, like it was like a huge, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but when she was doing tasting, you know, you get the wheel, they bring it all out to you, and she's going down down the line and basically reading from a card all the tasting notes because she doesn't know. And then you get to the brown ale, and she's like, oh, this is our house brown ale. It's uh, brown and bubbly. It's like, well, it doesn't help me. I already knew that. Uh, um, we talked about it once before, but the um – when that kettle sour first came out from Out of Bounds, I was asking the guy about it, and I was asking what the difference between a regular sour and a kettle sour was, and he told me it was made in a kettle. It's like cool. Thanks for uh, letting me know on that well, secret hold there. On. You, I appreciate you're it. You're like, hey, what what's the difference between a kettle sour and, and like other sours? Like, mm-hmm. why what, what was the kettle sour? You're like. Oh, well, it's just made a kettle. I don't want to get too technical on you. You're like, oh, hey, don't worry, man. I'm a beer nerd. I really like learning about this stuff. Don't worry about getting too technical. It's like, oh, well, we just put it in a kettle and it's less sour. Well, cool. Like, screw you, man. Like, yeah. don't don't threaten to get too technical on me and then not even have the know-how on how to do that. I guess that's why I'm really hesitant. There's a lot of breweries in Sacramento that have opened up restaurant breweries, like combos, like secondary locations. If we were to ask that question to the people that work at the original Out of Bounds in Rockland, I'm sure they'd know the answer. They'd be able to talk to us about it. They would really get it. Um, some high school kid that serves food in Folsom at their second location probably doesn't care enough to learn about it. So that's the difference. It's not a brewery, though. I guess they make beer there, but that's more of a restaurant. So you got to be careful when you're looking at stuff. That's the cooler hangout so, spot. It is, because the, they got food. <laughs> We have thirteen dollar pretzels there. Oh fuck, <laughs> those are good. I still haven't eaten there. The prices kind of get. Yeah, up. you need like a hundred bucks to go there for a night and have beer and food. Like if you want to eat and take someone out with you, that's an expensive date. Versus you can go to Rockland and try the same beer, and it would cost you like thirty bucks. I actually like that so, original location better. Oh, honest. it's way more chill. So that's I guess that's the difference between talking about. Uh, do you want the brewery experience or do you want to just go out and drink beer? There's a lot of places now you can go out. There's a lot of tap rooms, like we talked about, Final Gravity, a mm-hmm. fantastic tap room. Well, you I mean, that's another good there, place right? to go and try. If you want, to, if you just wanted to get into beer and try yeah. more kinds of beer, 
Final Gravity is a great place to go. That wouldn't be my first choice, but if someone was said, hey, I've been going out a lot. I've been trying to get more into beer. And you mm-hmm. said, well, where did you go? I'm like, oh, I went to Final Gravity. Like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'd take him seriously. Another cool thing about Final Gravity, uh, most of the people that work there work at breweries. Mm-hmm. So they know what they're talking about. And they also know where to get the good beer from, which is where you and I got some of our really good uh, barrel-aged sours from. Mm-hmm. We've gotten a lot of really good cans from there, um, mm-hmm. the hard-to-find cans, stuff from SoCal, stuff mm-hmm. from the East Coast, that kind of thing. Uh, stuff on tap is always amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also not a restaurant. It's a tap room. So if you're going to a restaurant that serves beer, I guess that's the that's The, the second you add so. restaurant to a lot of places um, – I'll give uh, like Out of Bounds, New Glory, and Track Seven the ones, and even Auburn Ale House, the ones that have a restaurant. Uh, I'll give them a little bit of leeway here. But the second you're going to like a place that serves food, the food usually becomes the primary focus. Yeah. And I say that as I work at Red Robin. It says Burger and Brew on the side of the building, and most people, if not all of the people I work with. With the exception of a, a nice little diamond in the rough, don't know Jack Diddley about beer, and it says Burger and Brew. So yeah, that's um, because so, most people most people would prefer to t- like they have more questions about the food than the beer, and I get it. But if you're looking to get into beer, the restaurant's not going to be the place to do it. Like you and I, even we have a hard time sometimes finding a good beer at restaurants that we mm-hmm. like. The restaurants, really, the restaurants we go to. Okay, we go to Brass Tap. Yeah, they're pretty good though. They're um, good. I would say. And um, where else do we go that has food and beer that we really like? Well, I would say Final Gravity is like Brass Tap if it was a little bit smaller and didn't have a kitchen. So okay, but that's right? my point. So where who has food that we really go to? I think uh, it's just Brass Tap that has food. Yard House. The last time, okay, and that good. Thank you. I'm glad you brought oh, that up. I set you up. Last, oh, man. Last time we went to Yard House, uh, bored might be uh, a really strong word for our experience with the beer list, but I think underwhelmed. Well, Underwhelmed with the Yard House tap list, and that's not to criticize Yard House. It's just to further articulate my point that the second you put restaurant on the side of the building, it becomes less about beer so, and more about food. So if your intent is to go out and learn about beer, you should look for the brewery experience mm-hmm. just for the sake of learning about beer. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just want to go out and have a good time, there's lots of places that have fine beer and good food, and we're not near like nearly big enough beer snobs to where we're going to re- – like we'll – like I'll pull the trigger on a Blue Moon if if I'm out. Like if that's what if I think that's the best beer they have on draft and it's a, what I think is a mildly mediocre tap selection, mm-hmm. if you can find something. We'll we'll be fine with having a beer yeah. or two. We're oh. not gonna be super excited. So there are two exceptions, neither of which are in Sacramento, but there are two exceptions to this. Don't go to a restaurant. Go straight to the source rule that we have. Okay. First one, Carl Strauss. Okay, but that is the source. Yeah, but they're also a restaurant. Okay, but remember so, that the what's the word I want? The prerequisite to this talk was I'm gonna give breweries with their own restaurant a little bit of a pass. Well, but but Carl Strauss, I would say, holds its own against a lot of other breweries. If sure, the ones that okay, are just fine. Make a beer, your point, whatever. So, I don't care. But the other one, Pizza Port. 
Okay, but... <laughs> okay, so Sacramento just has shitty brewery, <laughs> brewery-restaurant yeah. combos, that's, I that's guess. That's right. That's Maybe that's the point, is that um, Sacramento, if you want the beer, you go to a brewery. If you don't care about the beer and you want food, go to a restaurant. There's not really a good crossover yet in Sacramento. There's no place that has completely figured maybe it out. Maybe Urban Roots. Yeah? Maybe Urban Roots. You think they figured out the magic combination of beer and food? I don't know. They got barbecue together? and I want to go. It's hard to argue with that. Right. <laughs> right. I just I, remember, dude. I don't know, but we're about to find out. That's all I'm saying. So we, we went to Pizza Port in San Diego. Fantastic pizza. I remember that the, yeah, the pizza was fantastic, but also the beer was fantastic. Right? Uh, plug for Pizza Port. If you're in San Diego. Oh, so good. Um... You know, so if you go to – it's Chris Moriarty Photography or just mm-hmm. ChrisMoriarty.com? ChrisMoriartyPhotography.com. Um, Chris A-I-R-T-Y because it's not, not the old Irish way. Perfect. Uh, Google is website. I have an article talking about – you know, we went to San Diego in August talking about all these different breweries. And oh, uh, if yeah. you're just – if you're like us and you're going just for beer tasting, you don't care about anything else – Kilowatt is the place to go. Oh, Kilowatt's you, fantastic. You know, San Diego is a big area. If you're going to just one area of town to try beer, go to Ocean Beach. And if you're, you know, a married couple with some kids and uh, you're just looking for a quick dinner spot that has something for everyone, and oh, by the way, you also get to try some amazing beer, go to Pizza Port. Has yeah, they, amazing pizza, amazing pasta, amazing salads. And the then beer's fantastic. The beer's fantastic. They got a kids area with arcade games and they have literally root, something for everyone. They right? have root beer. They, they have their own root beer. Um, they have great. wines in the building too. There's literally, yeah, Chris said it. Literally something for everyone. Uh, I couldn't say enough wonderful things about Pizza Port. I'm not a big Hef guy, but the flying Hawaiian Hef that they have there is absolutely fantastic well their red was really good they had a really good amber they had a uh, oh the brood ipa there was was good they too. had a brood ipa they had a really good uh double i think we tried they had mm-hmm. a really good uh cheerios blonde it was like a honey blonde uh-huh. we tried. it was delicious so, i mean you just rattle off five oh, or six different styles yeah you know like that they've got a lot of beer there oh right there was like 20 something beers on draft plus they have some bottles that you can get they have some other breweries, so if you're not feeling the Pizza Port thing, they have some other handles. Um, absolutely fantastic. I think that that would be like my my plug. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I can I make one point? That Jordan and I flew in in the morning. That was our first stop. It was the brewery that opened the earliest. We wanted to grab some lunch, some beer. Um, they were actually we got there about like 11, I think, when they opened or 12. It was 11, yeah. It's 11. And they were cleaning out the beer manufacturing equipment. And, I mean, it's really cool to see them. They're literally 20 feet from you making the beer while you're sitting at a picnic bench eating your lunch and drinking the beer. But in San Diego, I think we went on like an unseasonably hot day, even though it was summer. Not a lot of places have AC. They didn't have AC. There were no fans. Uh, they were steam cleaning the equipment, so Jordan and I left dripping sweat. It was it was hot, so I would say if you're gonna go there, go for like a late lunch dinner. That would be my recommendation. Um, literally, that's the only yeah. complaint that we had that it was a very hot day for <laughs> you San didn't Diego. Have AC. And they we're have, just because we're so spoiled here in Sacramento, we all have AC here. Right. You know. Right. That was well. Also, I was carrying around a camera, and we're hiking around. So 
Uh, man, that San Diego trip was amazing. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Ocean Beach, man. There's yeah. there's six breweries all within a mile and a half of one another, really. Yeah, we were um, at Culture, and we wanted to go to Belgian Beaver, and they were across the street from each other. We're at Kilowatt. We can see Helms from Kilowatt down the street. You yeah. know, literally, you can see the next brewery from the previous one. They're right on mm-hmm. top of each other. More prevalent than Starbucks. It's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, the downtown San Diego area has a very similar vibe. There's breweries everywhere. Um, if you're looking to check out cities and try some really good beer, I, you'd have a hard time suggesting a city better than San Diego. It is the beer capital of the West Coast. It, we haven't been to Portland. I've been to Seattle, but I haven't drank beer there. But looking at the spread. I've been to Seattle and had some beer. You know, I went to a couple of breweries when I was yeah. up there. I went to three. Um, I would say San Diego still has not beat. Just quality. new, Not just numbers, but quality, man. San Diego has some really good beer. Yeah. With the exception of two. Two places. Yeah. Which we talk about in the article. But um, I think so. when we talk about about beer, we, we do make an effort to try beer and try variations. Uh, we do our Sunday night get-togethers, and we usually split a tall can between the two of us. And we try and maximize the number. Like he said earlier, we, we we'll game plan the, the Usually the about board. three or four. Usually yeah. about four. And then as many as six or seven every Sunday, we'll mm-hmm. try different try different beers. And if we go to a new place, we try and strategicize our – that's my word, trademark. Strategicize. <laughs> uh, strategicize our flights so we can try the different uh, beers on the board without overlap. Try everything. Uh, we usually do a pretty good job of that. San Diego, that trip, in a nine-hour period, I think we tried 67 different beers. I thought it was in the 70s, but it's it's, yeah, it's, well, it's a lot. we ordered like 72, but you and oh, I had a couple yeah, overlaps. Yeah, yeah. We both, I mean, I had some of that cucumber sour, and so did you, because we both just loved it. And then Red Trolley from... Uh, Red Trolley from... Uh, Carl, uh, Strauss. Carl Strauss. was so amazing. Good. So I had some of that, you had some of that. So 67 different beers... In one day, uh, not pints, just you know, flights, samples. But still, like we, we really no, but tried we did, to. And with, even with the overlap, it was like, uh, it was it was in the seventies, pushing eighties of the number of samples we had. Um, was it really? Because I thought it was sixty-seven. Total samples it was like 72, 70 something. Yeah, total with, samples. With overlap, yeah. which I mean. We did like nine flights that day, man. Like it was nine flights each, by the way. Um, yeah. There was a lot of beer had on that trip, which. Uh, well, that was the point, but I, right, know. I re- I couldn't recommend that more. Um, oh. Even did. outside of our beer journey, that was um, definitely one of the highlights of my year. Um. Yeah, and you can go to San Diego. It's. Uh, we got our tickets on sale from Southwest. It was pretty cheap. 60 bucks each way. Yep. Didn't have to get a hotel. We flew in the morning. Ubered everywhere. I think the trip in total cost us 400 bucks each total. I think it was uh, so it's uh 120 well it's 240 for airfare. Yeah. And then how much how much for for the beer cuz it, it was like 60 bucks for Uber. So we only went to Miramar and back, and then we went to... We went to nine breweries. I mean, don't you think we spent like 20-something bucks? I mean, when we got food, too. I'm thinking probably uh, six, 600 bucks for the whole trip. That's... Okay. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. three to 350 for both of us to go. I mean, we mm-hmm. had a lot of beer, and we Ubered a lot. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess for a day trip that's ex- expensive, but because we went to eight breweries, mm-hmm. and even you know we skipped two that were in Ocean Beach, so you yeah. could just do you, there's there's six breweries in Ocean Beach, Ocean let's see Pizza Port, Kilowatt, Motion Beaver Culture, Helms. Oh, we I think we just skipped uh, Ocean Beach Brewing because I think there's yeah. just six, okay. at least six that showed up on my Google Maps app when I was had it. Um, so, I mean, you could spend – we probably could have spent more time at Kilowatt and more time at Pizza Port and then even probably like Ocean – like we probably could have just spent the day at Ocean Beach. Yeah. Um, and bummed around. I think we would have had lunch at Pizza Port and then ended up having dinner at Pizza Port. Pizza was so good. <laughs> Some of the best pizza I've ever had. But so, so you're talking 350 each uh, for a day in San Diego. Uh, that's not including hotels. So uh, we saved like 200 bucks not staying there the night. We flew mm-hmm. back just fine back, yeah. So, which I mean, we arranged for a ride home from the airport, and it was fine. We didn't have to pay for long-term parking, uh, whatever. You know, like we paid 15 bucks for parking, that was it. Or no, we didn't pay for parking. That's right, we got rides there and rides back. So, that was. I don't know if you can try 67 or 70 beers for 300 bucks anywhere else. I don't know. So I guess, I mean, you live we're gonna in try next but... August. Hopefully, we're gonna be going to Portland. Yeah. We're trying in Portland. Which similar airfare? I think it's gonna be similar. Portland. So we both. I, I like that we did San Diego first because San Diego is a very West Coast beer scene. A lot, little bit of sours, a lot of IPAs, not a lot of dark beers. Uh, Portland is going to have more sours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it rains up a lot. Uh, Portland a lot, so they're gonna have probably more. I'm going to guess right now, more Ambers, more Red Ales, more Porters, more Stouts. We're going to hold them to that. We're going to do an episode about our trip. Yeah, we're going to – oh, we should just bring this uh, recorder with us and put it in my pocket when we slum around. And we'll just uh, talk about the beer as we're drinking at each place. On Location Podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, right? That might be cool. That might be cool. If we had this recorder in my pocket uh, when we are in San Diego – We'll beta test it and see how it turns out. If it turns out okay, we'll, we'll go for it. Well, we have our downtown hopping around trip planned pretty soon, don't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're supposed to go around downtown Sacramento? We need to Sacramento? Beer thing on Sacramento. Yeah, we do. That would be – well, I don't think we rec- we can record that. But if I'm, – I'm saying if we had this recorder in my pocket when we were in the car with the guy that drove us to Miramar in San Diego – uh, if anything had happened, because we were both concerned yeah. for our lives. Yeah, he's, he might have killed us. Yeah. Uh, it would have been good to have evidence. Do you want to finish with Malo, or do you want to drink Malo next? I know. Well, that's... I mean, to be honest, all the way we close this episode is you probably won't hear from us for a while. Um, we'll do the downtown one. We'll pop around. Did they short fill your crawler? I don't know, man. It fucking surprised me. <laughs> the second crawler from uh, Sacktown Union. Jordan had an interesting uh, encounter with the the lady at the counter. Not just me. We both did. Oh uh, yeah. Well, she played so, she played drums with your crawlers, man. That was so to be okay. <laughs> so our original. Ins- <sighs> I intent for last night. Uh, Chris hit me up. New Glory had a cam release the day before. We were driving down to figure out if we could get mm. some of the New Glory cam release stuff. Uh, we got there right when they closed. 
device right down the street was closed. And uh, I checked Sacktown Union's hours. They're right down the way. They were still open. That uh, was my first time being there, too, by the way. That was my first um, impression. And I had gone there about a month, month and a half ago. Uh, they dropped a Blackberry Hefeweizen. That piqued my interest. That and was good, though. It was good. That was good. It was good. It yeah. wasn't nearly as good as it sounds. Uh, I wish it had more Blackberry, to you know be what? honest. Uh, to, be, to be fair, too, that was we were there last night, and they had that... Um, Pineapple double hazy, and it was right. It wasn't <laughs> what I thought it'd be either. <laughs> it tastes like pineapple, really. Um, I was like, what the hell? But with that, if you get rid of those expectations, those beers were both still good. Yeah. Um. So this girl, um, I I wanted a crowd of the resilience, and then I, um, said, well, what's your favorite? She said, well, I'm a stout girl, so you should probably, you know, you probably won't like my pick. <laughs> No, it's good. What, what, what's the problem? And she's like, well, I like um, whatever the name of this one is. I forget. This is their Russian Imperial Stout. It's called Wandering. Wandering something. Yeah, I forget. Waiting. What. Waiting Stout. Um, it's it's two says, words. It says waiting. On it's it. two words. She didn't even put up the actual name um, of the beer on the can. But it's so. it's uh, it's 11%. And she kind of made some joke about how I probably couldn't handle it. I was like, I put it in the crowd. I don't care. We'll find out. Like, I mean, that's I can right. get insecure with you or I can go home drink and find out for myself. And that's probably what I'm going to do. Well, um, considering that our previous podcast was all beers over 14%. I think I'm fine. I, yeah. I, think we, I'm hey. not, I wasn't worried, but she wants to make it sound like I'm less of a man. Whatever. Just put oh. the beer in the can and let me take it home. I don't really care. And then I pulled out my ID, and we, she made me, like, make a bunch of faces at her. It was like, mm, I don't know if this is your picture. Can you smile? Because you're smiling in the picture, which is live a mugshot from my ID. And I smiled. Yeah, no one's and happy at the DMV, by the way. If you're smiling did, at the DMV, there's something cheesy, wrong with like, you. And did a little cheesy, like, school book pose. And then uh, she's like, no, she's a little bit frownier than that. So then I went to, like, really angry and concerned. She's like, no, it's a little bit sadder than that. We played this little facial expressions game. And then she finally decided to pour my beer. And she's just kind of odd, and while she's pouring my beer, Chris comes back and says, yeah, this girl's a little out there. You really missed our <laughs> our exchange. And he says, oh, well, it's good for you. And then it I is. feel like it's you, good for Jordan. you got to fully experience how weird this girl kind of was. Because, I mean, I even was thinking about it today. Like, I don't know if we were flirting or if that was playful banter or if she was actually upset when we left. Because Well, you did better than I did at Fountainhead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that. That um, was a that was a long week, by no, the way. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, so, <laughs> well, but so, so that experience goes as it goes, from her drumming on my Crowler cans to like dancing to Christmas music, and a lot oh, of her behavior. She, uh, she refused to give you a sample of resilience. Right. So I'm gonna get to she that. She said a lot you already her, had one. A lot of her behavior was attention seeking, but when we left, she kind of stood there like dumbfounded. When we left, like when I was just like, all right, have a good night. She just kind of stood there and watched us for a minute. Because I think she was playing hardball. I think I was supposed to fight to get my sample, if I'm being honest. Nah. You already uh, bought a crowler. Right. 100%. <laughs> so like, whatever. Already taking um, some but yeah, it's a weird experience. Uh, the other guy that works that was working, I've worked, uh, I've talked to him before. Super knowledgeable about the beer. I don't know his name. Um, He's got a beard, tattoos. He's a really cool dude. Yeah. Very cool dude. Um... The Elbus IPA that I mentioned, you know, when I was in there about a month, month and a half ago, um, 
I went in there for the half. I wanted two crowlers, and I said, hey, well, what's what's your favorite? And he said, oh, I really like the Elvis IPA. And I said, okay, cool. What what hops are used in that? And he said, oh, it's Simcoe and Amarillo. Dope. Pour it. And super helpful, super nice guy. Um, just really loves beer. And um, I – Sacktown Union is a place that I would totally check out. Um, Chris and I have a growler gang that we meet. You know, every other month, that'll probably be our next podcast. Is yeah, it game. might be, yeah. This um, due in January, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, one of the Growler Gang members, Logan, he brought Centennial Falcon back in May uh, from Sacktown Union. And that was a good beer, too. Um, they make good beer. They're totally worth checking out. They're not my favorite, but uh, totally worth a trip out to downtown Sac and just moving around and figuring out what we're um, like, if you're interested in trying new breweries, I think they're worth checking out. Um, before we get into any more, let's uh, cheers and taste. So, this one's the Russian Imperial from Sacktown Union. Dark chocolate. It's very, very dark. Ooh. Doesn't smell bitter. And coffee. Dark chocolate and a little bit of coffee. Yeah. If you were to put baking cocoa into... Uh, it's nice. Cup of coffee. <clears throat> you know what this is gonna be? This could be a man's hot chocolate, Jordan. I could see that. A little bitter. Yeah, man mocha. Coffee flavor, a man mocha. That's right. Not really that sweet. A little bit though. Just enough. Just enough. Just enough to bring out a little bitch, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. Mm. So, what what were your favorite stouts from the year? I'll ask you. Well. We're going to end with one. Uh, the pastry series from New Glory was very, very good. I like Plentiful Pastry. Uh, Marshmallow, or Mallow Blaster, is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, you and I both had... Uh, we both had... Uh, was it Drenched in Desire from Revision? That's a very really good, good Imperial Stout. Um, of course, we just did our Goose Island Flight, our vertical... Goose Island is one of my favorite dark beers. Uh, I like Sticky Monkey. Oh, excuse me. I like Sticky Monkey, but this year's Sticky Monkey wasn't as great as last year's. Uh, definitely wasn't as good as 16. Uh, the one that we haven't tried that we both keep talking about, uh, I guess it's not really a dark beer, is the new uh, barrel-aged barley wine from... Out of, bounds. out of bounds. Right. No, no. I mean, be. I guess I'm talking more, yeah. mostly porter stouts and barrel stouts. stouts. So, um, well... I'm a sucker for Bravo. Bravo's really good. Um, having... By Firestone Walker, yeah. Peanut butter milk stout at the source at Belgian Beaver was really good. I mean, I think it's good in the bottle, too. It's it's on yeah. the sweeter side. Of, um, um, having it nitro, though. Woo! Yeah, nitro's I mean, that's, good. That's like liquid Reese's peanut butter cups, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Well, a uh, very, very interesting notable was uh, Budweiser's uh, Barrel Aged. I guess it was more of an amber, but it was also $7 for a six-pack, and it wasn't It's not a dark bad. Beer. I mean, it's good. It's more of an I, amber? I like your plug, but it's not. Well, I mean, hey, yeah, okay, so it's not dark beer. That was That was good. Um, what was another good darker that we had this year? Let me think. Most of the beers we had weren't dark. 
We didn't have a lot of stouts and porters this year. We had uh, barrel-aged uh, campfire stout beginning of the year. It's pretty good. good. It yeah. was not as good as I was hoping for for a um, thirty dollars I mean, right bottle. before the first of the year, I mean, yeah. technically it was twenty seventeen, but you know, out of bounds had that caramel super stout. It, oh, the barrel aged one. But it or was the, available yeah. in twenty eighteen, so I want to give them yeah. a plug, even though we that didn't have good. it in twenty eighteen. Super yeah. good. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's really hard because that Goose Island uh, bourbon country is just so good. That orange one, man, really left an impression on me. I was thinking about going back and buying another $28 bottle and aging <laughs> it was one. that – well, if you age it, I, I would be curious to know what it would be like aging because it's already really but smooth. Me too. Like I don't right? think it's good enough for where I'd spend $28 just to drink a second one, especially when regular yeah. is you know 12 oh. bucks over there. You know what was really good that crept up or it kind of snuck in there was uh, Fudgement Day, Belgian Beaver. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was a good chocolate stout. Uh – there's a peanut butter cup porter. Carl Strauss. Yes, that one's good. That's very, very good. Um, oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Victory at Sea stuff by Bell's Point. Yeah, we um, were keeping our eyes out for that peppermint. We haven't seen it. No. That's actually like uh, later in the podcast we'll talk about beers that we missed out on. I was going to bring that one up. Um, beers we missed out okay. on in 2018. So, okay. Um, okay. I'm just going to plug for that. Now, it was really good. I had it in 2017. Really missed seeing it in 2018. To be honest, I haven't looked super mm-hmm. hard for it um, because we didn't find it in January, February, or March, mm-hmm. and I just kind of lost track of it. So, I mean, I'll probably be on the lookout for it now that you mention it. Um, but that's one of those beers where I was kind of bummed to not. Oh, you know what we did this year that we were completely forgetting about? Hmm. We had our uh, adventure uh, being Tavor members. For a couple mm. months before we Which realized. Which brought us a couple dark beers, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had Vikings Funeral. Some Vikings Funeral, you go. Good for you. That was, that was really good. Yeah, uh, I broke one of the bottles and it stained the concrete in Chris's garage. Yes. When we <laughs> So that, that's another caveat. When we talk about heavy beers, we're not, we're not saying heavy beers like, oh man, Guinness is a stout. We're saying... Guinness is like not even halfway down the chart. That's we're talking heavy beers. Guinness is coarse light. Yeah, that's that Viking funeral was a barrel aged stout, and that was it's there's a brown stain on my concrete. I'm not even joking. It's we did that that flat at Goose Island. I was so dried out the next day. That shit was so heavy. Yeah. Oh. Woo. Yeah. This Russian imperial stout's nice though. It's really easy to drink. You know, it's a dark chocolate size. Would you rather have this or obsidian? Mm. Even though Obsidian's way lighter, I guess it comes down so, to like what's what's the mouthfeel? Do you want that 11% ABV or a little um, bit lighter? I would say this. The only thing that would beat this, if you're talking Obsidian, would be Obsidian Nitro, which we do get around here sometimes. Obsidian Nitro over this all day long. I so with the Obsidian, the Deschutes Obsidian Stout, I really like the uh, the dark chocolate that really pokes out. I think the oh, dark yeah. chocolate pokes out in a nicer way than this does. This is still fantastic. This is a little bit more bitter. Um, yeah. Um, but having, having a stout on nitro is just really, really nice. nice. It's really nice. Yeah. So having obsidian stout on nitro, I would say, I think I like this more if you're comparing the carbonation, the CO2 to CO2. Mm -hmm. I think I'd rather have this, but that on nitro is so good. So you missed an opportunity. I was hoping I could Mm. poke out of you. All right. Of all the stouts we had, we also had a couple golden stouts. 
Do those count? They're not dark beers. They're stouts. But they're not dark. Mm. That toasted mallow from Track 7 was the only beer that I've ever bought and then brought back for a refund to a brewery. <laughs> that was that was not So we kind good. of alluded to that in Episode 2 where we talked <sighs> about beers that did well with aging. Because, you know, we split that four-pack of mallow still. Mm. The, mallow s'mores, the s'mores golden stout. Yeah. And then we, you know... We let one of those cans sit in my fridge for about four weeks before we had, you know, we we're like, fuck it, let's just, let's just drink it mm-hmm. and be done with it. And then I was kind of bummed that we drank it because it was good. It about was a good month after we of, aged it, yeah. A month of sitting in my fridge did some good for that beer. Yeah, we should have gotten more. But in my defense, when I tasted it out of the tap, it tasted like graham crackers and plastic. So 100%. before I was aged, it was. Um, I mean, because the that's... first can we split, I was like, "That nah, this is not good." Because you know, we split that four packs. Yeah. So we had two. You know, I split the first one right out the gate because I was super eager to try it. You're like, "Hey, it's not that good." I was like, "Hey, screw you. It's amazing." And I tried it. Like, yeah, you know, you're right. It's not that good. We should have. Yeah, um, I should have kept that other four pack that I turned in. But also, I turned in that four pack to get Naughty Nelson, which ended up being. A uh, pleasant surprise. Hundred percent as as IPA goes. Hundred percent. So it was hundred percent awesome um, hop IPA, and it had a Boston Terror on the label, which was that made my day. So if great. you you know want to get into more beer, the Tavor app, that's T A V O U R, is a really great way to do that. They post new beer all the time. They ship your crates once a month, and they'll ship you a crap ton of beer. Um, that's in metric. Um, crap ton. And, oh, that's uh, a really good way to spend money, though. Uh, oh, man. You'll spend a lot of money because all of the descriptions sound amazing. And the beer kind of underwhelms based on those descriptions, if we're being honest. Um, except for that Vienna Lager, which it might be... Oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, I forget the brewery that brewed it. There's a Vienna Lager. Uh, East Coast Brewery. I'll have to look it up. Um, yeah. It has a Vienna Lager that... Uh, that, I mean, if you had to come up with a pound for pound best beer we've had all year, we're not even big lager guys. And that beer was, uh, like, mm, well, I don't even know how to describe it. So, so good. Well, I would argue one of the reasons why we appreciated it so much was because we have the ability to taste the hops, the malt in the East, that beer was so balanced between all four ingredients. Well, I guess waters, whatever, but it was so just even keeled, well balanced, refined. It just, it was just, it and was good. If it we're just being honest, good. you and I are kind of suckers for German style beers. Yeah, yeah, I tell like, you, we like don't the do Belgian a lot. We don't do Belgian very well. No. Um, we're, I mean, typically we're we're American. Um, we like but... we like German East though. German, yeah. like, the uh, the Fest beer that New Glory came out with in October was fantastic. Uh, Both of them. Oktoberfest yeah. was fantastic. Sure, Nevada's Oktoberfest, Track 7's um, Oktoberfest. Maybe that's okay. a good segue at this point yeah. to start talking about the Oktoberfest that we had this year. Oh, yeah, we tried a few. Definitely tried a few. Most disappointing Oktoberfest. Not necessarily the worst. What was the most disappointing? You know what's really funny? I'm going to say Sam Adams because it's the most consistent Oktoberfest. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say Track 7. Really? I don't like their Oktoberfest. I thought theirs was better than uh, Sam Adams. Sure. 
I just think as a brewery, they're better. Like, okay, they they're better, better than... They can do better. Because Solid Crowns is way better. New Glories is way better. Sierra Nevada's is way better. Way better. Oh, Sierra Nevada's was so good. I mean, and that... Okay, I mean, I forgot to mention that part about being, like, super impressed with Sierra Nevada. Like, what they do with their Oktoberfest every year yeah. is really cool. Oh, yeah. This year, they pair... They, you know, they um, paired up with the world's oldest brewery in the world. Oldest brewer in the world. Okay, redundancy is redundant. Um, that was good. That was really, really good. Really good beer. Um, and very German. Very, very German. <laughs> yes, it was. So, my whole point, though, is, uh, that's why I'm laughing, is, is because it's Sam Adams' Oktoberfest is, like, the same. They don't change the recipe. Every year, it's the same. It's the only beer that Germany imports for Oktoberfest. I it's can't hate one. on it though, man. You can't hate on the, it. There were but, three beers that got me into beer, and that was one. So, of them. so two years ago, uh, that was like one of my favorite beers, and you can agree it was one of your favorite beers. And then having all the other ones we had this year, it's not my favorite Oktoberfest anymore. But it hasn't changed. We've right. changed. So, That's what was part. your favorite Oktoberfest? The, the Sierra Nevada one. I would say hands down. Well, so okay, so oh, so, so Sierra Nevada after I stir it with a spoon. Yeah. You get some of the carbonation out of it, a little bit of less. A little bit. So a little bit. I'm gonna say that's <laughs> that's very fair because I did that too. But uh, Fort Rocks Marzen is really really good. For and it's available more. more for about months six out of months year. out of the year. Yeah. yeah. So and then also Fort Rock is like kind of the new kids on the block as far as the the Sacramento Rancho Cordova beer scene. They're good. They're really. They good. know what they're doing. They're very. Oh, also they even have, before they got that new brewer, they were good. Oh, that's what I was just about to say. They, no, they they know what they're doing. That that Marsden is amazing. That's a beer that they're trendier now. We need to go check them out. I saw their board on Facebook. They have a bigger board. They have some trendier stuff yeah, on the board. They have some totally worth checking stuff. out. Um, even before they got that new brewer, um, they had some really good stuff going for them. Oh, yeah. Okay, the, uh, the weird girl from Sacktown Union made a good selection. This is a good beer. This is good. She, well, she's not short, which is funny because there could be a stout joke made, but she's, she's, <laughs> she's average height. She's just kind of weird, but she's she irritating. Beer. Irritating AF. I'm not even going to lie. Okay, she just does some weird things and then continues to do them, like the dancing to Christmas music thing that she just kept doing, and then she'll get short with you, like she said, hey, give me your money, and then I was joking around and said, please, and then she, like, got kind of weird and then, like, mm -hmm. wanted to reassure me that she wasn't being serious, but I wasn't being serious, so it's kind of hard to banter <laughs> with her because, like, she's, like, really in your face but also not really discerning about when yeah. someone else is kind of playing along. Um, so there were a lot of miscues and well, another thing moments. too, like like when well, she refused, I don't know why she ref. Well, okay, so here's the funny part: she gave us both a sample of that hazy double they have, the pineapple mm -hmm. one. But it was like a four ounce pour. Like there was enough for me to taste a bunch of it. I gave it to you. You tasted a bunch of it. Like that was a huge sample. And then she refused to give you a sample of uh, Well, initially. Initially refused. No, no. She initially refused. And then I asked her, and she said no. And then you gave her some crap, and she still said no. And she pointed her finger at you and said a bunch of stuff. And we're like, what are you even 
Right. What's and going so then on here? we said, hey, have a good night, and then we walked away. But that was what I was talking about earlier in the podcast is when we walked away, like, as we were turning, she was just kind of standing there watching us, kind of dumbfounded that we walked away. I think we were supposed to, like, I think we were supposed to fight for our sample or something. But we had a crawler. Right. We already got our <laughs> beer. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't play like that, I guess. That's that's my... Me either. Is it a weakness, so I think, a strength? Who knows? I don't know. Right. I guess it depends on what side of the fence you're on. Um... But I well, think that's—I honestly think that's what we were supposed to do. We we're supposed to argue and banter, and I, I still don't know if we were flirting or not. I have no idea. I would say, would would you rather deal with her, or would you rather deal with the Pilates instructor that didn't like that I couldn't count? The Pilates instructor. What? Because she's a teacher? No, it's uh. No, because she's less awkward. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And cuter, but less awkward. Well, she's Pilates instructor. There you go. Whatever. And doesn't do awkward Christmas dances and doesn't, like, refuse things and isn't, like... Well, she refused me uh, a beer after well, I couldn't count how many beers. you're kind of being an idiot, so I was... kind of had that coming. <laughs> I had been up, basically, for three days at that point. That was our celebration uh, outing slash Jordan had gift cards. So that's Those a good way... Beer. We'll start uh, <laughs> recapping the year a little bit. Uh, breweries that disappointed the most... Well, Fountainhead 20. was one. Okay. For sure. Okay. Uh, Helms. Was it Helms? Helms, Helms yeah. Yep. Helms, I'll give a, I'll, I'll give a little bit of leeway to because they only had about half of the normal board available. Lockdown. You didn't even go to Lockdown. I've been to Lockdown. I went when they first opened. No. And they didn't even have their own beer not on the tap. Original, not the location That's I went the to. the original location. Okay. I went to the original location. Uh, okay, fine. You went whatever. to the brewery. I went to the original tap room. I went to a room. storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> With red solo cups. <laughs> clear solo cups. Uh, clear Excuse. solo cups? Yeah, they're oh, clear. Oh, shit. Um, that Maryland, that robust blonde ale at 8% was pretty good, though. Uh, okay. I just want them to get their shit together. What's, so what's another one? You get one more. You get three. Three? What was my... Okay, so it's Fountainhead. Uh, Lockdown. Okay. Lockdown. Which is technically old... Old Hangtown. Lockdown is Old Hangtown Beer Works. Okay. For our listeners. Okay. Brewery. Uh, you know, that's tough because those, those are the only two that I really haven't been happy with. Okay. You know, I've been so let's pretty much happy um, with most of the other ones we've been to. And we've I been to like 20 or 30 new ones this not year. Not impressed so. with Alero. Well, I, was, I haven't been to Alero. 100%. So, that's fine. Okay. Um, because their their Hazy was more filtered looking than their filtered IPA. Their West Coast. Mm-hmm. Their West Coast was cloudier than their Hazy. Just kind of irritated me. Um... And then when I asked the server why, she's like, well, I don't know, and just kind of giggled and walked away. And um, assured me that I got the correct beer. Um, Elysian, when I went to Seattle, I wasn't abundantly impressed with Elysian. They were just kind of a brewery. Well, I've had the, the beer that's readily available here in stores and wasn't impressed. And that's but, their staple, right? But a lot of people like Elysian. Um, but I wasn't impressed. But you went to the, the source, mm-hmm. and you still weren't impressed. And then um, Mission in San Diego. 
I went when I well I guess I technically went a little bit sooner than the this year, but uh, that was one of the breweries that kind of sticks out in the last year or so of breweries I went to. There was kind of like ah you're fine. They had a oh. boysenberry sour, a boysenberry Wait. sour that was fantastic. You know who my number three is? Hmm. Green Flash. Yeah. Yeah, Green Flash really let me down because we had I, high hopes, man. We had high I think hopes. it's funny that two of your breweries are from that San Diego trip that was fantastic. Which says something, right? Two out of the nine breweries we went to were kind of, meh. We still had an amazing time. That just speaks to the quality of beer coming out of San Diego. Man. Sure. That's just... Sure, sure, sure. San Diego has some really good beer. Okay, so... Um, what are some beers that you're really excited to try that once you try them you were underwhelmed by? Oh. Well. I don't really think about it like that. That's the hard part for me. Uh, we go to a brewery and like to try kind of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Try one of their lagers. Mm-hmm. Pale ale, mm-hmm. IPA, double mm-hmm. IPA, stout, porter, whatever. So, it's just hard for me. I don't have, I really don't have expectations most of the time when we go to breweries. But, I could say, um, even, I'm even talking about like cam releases, you know, we'll get the cam release stuff, oh, you know, yeah, like well, a week in advance. A lot of those, ironically, are going to be New Glory, which is one of my favorite local breweries, but... Uh, New Glory, they've had a couple dark beer releases that you and I have gone to, and their dark beer uh, can releases are more expensive, but haven't been as I think the mind, shaker, the mind Shaker stuff is like, as much as I think that's a great way to get at IPAs, it's like $22 for a four-pack for those Mind Shaker stuff, and yeah. you and I can't drink our way through our own four-pack. We need to split one. Yeah, but also, they had the, uh, the brownie with the uh, hemp seed. You didn't like the brownie? I didn't like the brownie as much. The German yeah. chocolate was good, but when you compare it to the pastry series... I didn't series, like the Ace Venturino. That one wasn't that great either. And so so we went to try and get the uh, Coco Grigio that just came out. We didn't get there in time. We were a little bit late. But at the same time, our track record with uh, New Glory uh, Dark Beers is like 2 out of 5, maybe 3 out of 5 of the best. Like, At best, know. like I don't like so, wa- I don't like wakey wakey. Yeah, wakey wakey. Either version is no good. Um, they had like a Mexican chocolate one we didn't like. Um, the the I think there's like three that we did like both the pastries, and we really liked Infinite Void. Um, is then is there another brewery you want to hate on before? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the like, thing is like. We don't really... So beers I was really excited to try that I was disappointed with um, would We're talking be... about dark beers, though. Well, no, not just dark beers. Any beer. Any beer. Oh, so the uh, the marshmallow stout, the golden stout from Tribe 7. I was just about to the, say that. The, one that. the only beer that I've ever returned, ever, to a brewery. I was really excited for that beer. And yeah. again, again, a month in the fridge will do some wonders for that beer. Uh, the original Mind Shaker... I was by New Glory. Which was, one was the original? Or I, maybe okay, okay. The the Mind Shaker that came out during Beer Week, the pineapple raspberry. Was it pineapple? They had a they had a strawberry, blueberry, blueberry okay. that came out in July. 
I'm talking okay. there's a pineapple rasp or yeah. That one was okay. It was okay. I, I was, wasn't on board. I was really excited for that. So. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. I was actually really disappointed in the Oh Yeah version three by Track Seven, the Grape Sour. The grape wasn't as good. No. Um, especially following up that watermelon because that watermelon was fantastic. What was the first one? You know, I don't know. That's that's kind of the thing is that we we really caught interest on a lot of these uh, these things kind of late. Like we got the oh yeah version two. Um, we didn't get on board with um, uh, the uh, Deftone series from Belgian Beaver until I think Can two or three. I think they've had five. We've only been able to try four because we got on late. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Like, we, we've really, this year, we've really stepped our game up, but I think we're about a year too late for a lot of these really, really amazing beer series mm-hmm. that we've both come to appreciate. So. Uh, beers that, uh, actually, let's go with breweries that impressed you the most this year. Oh, man. Pick three or four. Hoppas is one. Just just got a special place in my heart. Hoppas, uh, Track 7 always. I know I hate on Track 7 because they only make... If you go there, they'll have staples. The The real way to try Track 7 is to go there for cam releases. That's really a combination of, of cam releases and uh, stuff on tap is a way to get to know Track 7. Um, I really like New Glory. It's probably my favorite go-to. Mm-hmm. It's 100% guaranteed. Every time I go to New Glory, I get a crowler, a growler, or a four-pack of something that's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's every time. And then mm-hmm. for number four, oh, I don't know. I'm going to say three. So you get three. But here, I'll be right back, though. Let me grab the mallow. In the drawer. Drawer on the right. Correct. Correct. Alright, so. Let's pick up where we left off. Um, I said my three. What, what are your three? I think... The brewery that comes to mind would be Thin Line. Uh, that Brother Nuis left such an impression on me. And if you're looking for, you know, like when we were talking about the brewery experience, I think it depends on kind of what you're looking for out of that brewery experience. Like if you're looking for, um, like if you if we would recommend breweries to people, I think Track 7 or New Glory would be the first two that would come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um those are people, like, they clearly look professional, they have the facilities, and they have a wide breadth of beer that if you haven't had a ton of beer, those are the ones I, I tell people to go to first. Versus, um... Well, we're talking about your three most notable disappointments. Well, the whole... Right? Well, three breweries. No, no, no. Three breweries that we want to... that left an impression on you, so we're talking oh, about. Oh, you, you asked me about my negative impressions. No, you just that, talked about Track 7 and New Glory and... Yeah, the, the how their stouts haven't lived up to the hype. No, okay. So, if I were... No, I just uh, asked you three breweries that left an impression on you. Oh, so three breweries that left... Okay, so let me start over then. 
<laughs> you don't you mind. said track seven. Track seven. First. I don't think you remember exactly what happened before you went to the bathroom. Maybe not. I think you asked me the three beers or the three breweries that kind of let me down. Okay, pause. Just fucking delete whatever just happened before. Because <laughs> I'm like 99% sure I asked you. Yeah. Three breweries that left an impression on you. You said New Glory. Uh-huh. Let me talk about three out of five maybe for the dark beers. No. No? Was you said different? about how they always have a wide selection and you always leave with a crowler or a growler or a four-pack of something good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Three three breweries that left an impression on you. Okay. So, I'll start. I think Thin Line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're looking at the brewery experience and what you're looking for, um, I think initially if you're getting into breweries, the two I would, we would both suggest would be either Track 7 or New Glory. Those are the two that we're going out to the most. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are the cam releases that carry the most weight with us. Between the um, two, they, they cover the, all the bases. 100%. You know? Um... And that would be kind of where I'd push people to go. Now, if you're looking for something with a little bit more fluff, I'd probably push you towards Burning Barrel. Because I think aesthetically, they have more of like a brand going for them. As far as like from the uh, the, the flight boards and the style of glassware and the vibe in the brewery, they, they put a lot of effort into the appearance and kind of the overall experience, which I think has its place and is absolutely cool. Um, Burning Barrel has some cool stuff going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, where at, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, a place that has very little aesthetic, um, but has like a really cool low key vibe would be it would be Thin Line. Yeah. Um, owned very, by very uh, small a CHP officer. And his uh, his fiance. That's right. They get married. They run a two barrel system. Yeah. Um, but still make some really interesting beer, some really cool ideas. I think that light duty Berliner Weiss just like stands out to me. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's definitely a very different. Um, their pale style. ale is interesting because they use a heavy dose of Columbus hops, which has like a black pepper thing going for it. Um, they just dropped a raspberry yeah. IPA. Yeah, we talked about that. That was a um, fantastic. IPA. 100%. Yeah. They're, they're totally worth checking out, but they are smaller. Um, it depends kind of where you are in your brewery experience and what you're looking for. Like, if I was going to take a girl out on a date, I'm probably going to Burning Barrel. Yeah. But I like the beer at Thin Line way better. Yeah. But Thin Line's not like a first date spot. If like if, if like I was meeting a girl and she was like, oh, you know, I'm really into beer. It's like, oh, let's meet at Burning Barrel. Let's have a pint or a flight or something. Mm-hmm. And let's get to know one another. I'm not taking her to Thin Line for that. I cannot overexpress like Thin Lines where you go with a friend or two and you're also talking to the bartender and you know one another. Um, but you, you really, go to Thin Line if you really know beer and you and, go there just for the beer. And they're they they're fantastic. I love Thin Line. Um, I think Claim Steak, even though we've been there once, really oh, left an impression on me. Claim Steak was really good. Um, and then, even though we haven't been there, I'm going to give a plug for Revision. Oh, everything um, we've had from Revision has great. been fantastic. Yeah, which, and, very small quantity of um, the things they've offered that we've tried, but everything we've tried has been great. Right. And that's, for those of you who don't know, that's the original head brewer from Knee Deep. 
Yeah, so if um, you liked Hoptologist, if you liked Tanilla, if you liked Simtra, Citra Extra Pale Ale, uh, Breaking you know, Bud, Breaking Bud, it, that's him. That's that's his. Those are his babies. Yeah, and so. he's doing a lot of really great stuff with the revision. I have nothing but wonderful things to say about them. Those would probably be my three. Um, I get uh, if you had given those three, I'd probably give your three. I think. Um, so if you're at a store. I guess this is this is the, the kind of the wrap up. If you're at a store, what three breweries would you say grab a bottle of that? Like if you look at what's in the window, what's on the shelf at the store. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so, so like you're browsing, okay, when you say right? at the store, yeah. do you mean like a liquor store? Like, liquor store. You're at that Total Wine. You're at uh, you know Raley's, mm. whatever. Anywhere. If you see them anywhere for sale, other than a brewery. And like most people aren't going to go to the breweries for this stuff. So if you see a bottle of this stuff or a can, what are the three ones you would say grab? Or what three breweries? At the store. Mm-hmm. You're browsing around. Right? Track 7. Yep, Track 7. New Glory. Seen. Yep. Revision. Revision. That's – I'm the same deal, but I would swap out Track 7 for Hoppus. I don't – okay, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. At what store do you see Hoppus? You only see it at SmartMart because they're awesome. Okay, so I'm thinking like <laughs> at Rayleigh's, you see Track 7, yeah. you'll occasionally see New Glory, yeah. and you'll see Revision. Uh-huh. And New Glory is even kind of the dark horse in that. But I think, even, yeah. okay, you go to you go to Total Wine, yeah. you'll see Track 7, New Glory, and Revision. Yeah. And that's not to wrap up, by the way, which is a nice segue into 2019. Well, I just meant yeah, like if you're if you're doing recommendations, but yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. So, so what are we looking for now? I guess some beers, right? That's that's what we're transitioning mm, to. 2019. Okay, so 2018, we were we were interested in getting into sours, and then halfway through, we decided to get into hazies. Yep. Um, but also like understanding hops and yeah. knowing what like hop profiles did, and then we just didn't uh, we didn't understand the idea of the brewing process within that component yet. And yep. we we do we yeah. do now. What are things that uh, what are 2019 beer adventure? What are you looking forward to the most? So having a pretty solid foundation for sours, I'm looking to see what the sour world offers. Especially since in August we're probably going to be going to Portland, which is one of the sour capitals of the United yeah. States. Uh, having kind of an understanding of how the sour process. Uh, works how you know, the tasting profiles versus you know, different types of sours, uh, barrel-aged sours, that kind of thing. Uh, also, what I'm looking forward to are more of the seasonal, which I've always been kind of a seasonal guy. I've always been a fall kind of person, so I was really, really excited when Sierra Nevada brought back uh, Ruthless Rye this fall, mm-hmm. fall seasonal pack. Um uh, I'm looking forward now to seeing – so we paid attention to it this year, the, the winter, spring, summer, fall, seasonal transitions between the breweries in our region, what they have to offer. So seasonal IPAs, seasonal dark beers, seasonal lagers, that kind of thing. And, uh, and we, we've seen a lot of sours come out in 2018, so I can only imagine there's going to be a lot more in 2018 – or 2019. Mm-hmm. So – Seeing if there is a seasonal progression for sours would be really interesting to me. Okay. How about you? 
I think uh, going to Portland in August is definitely uh, where it's at. I think um, this year getting more into homebrew and seeing what that does for our palates. Uh, the only people who I feel like I meet that know substantially more about beer are the people that make it. Um, that's not to say we don't meet people who know, I mean know more about beer. But um, that seems to, you know, that's more, you know, beer, to me, like beer is artistic chemistry. There's a scientific component and there's an artistic component. And um, we're, we're very, very much aligned with the artistic component of that right now. And getting more into the scientific component to me, I think, would be a lot more interesting. Um, so between... Our trip to Portland, our trip to homebrew, our, our journey into homebrew, I should say. Um, those two things. And then with the sour thing, I, I think I'd be more interested in trying a lot more barrel-aged sours uh, going into 2018. Some things that would – if we'd be hard-pressed to find things that would push our palate more. Oh, barrel-aged sours. Those barrel-aged sours are uh, a whole different animal. Man. And then maybe some extra, Ooh. some other barley wines, like the out of bounds barley yeah. wine, is something that we're pushing towards. Maybe some knowledge around that would be cool. We just had the uh, Goose Island uh, barrel-aged barley wine. We've had it's a wheat wine. That's uh, a wheat wine. Oh, my bad. It's a wheat wine. We've also had the Heldorado. Um, uh, Two different yeah. years from Firestone Walker. That was a barrel-aged barley wine. So expanding around that, I think it would be cool. Uh, it might be interesting to try Bigfoot. So we, we keep talking about Sierra Nevada, but they have a Bigfoot vertical that you can buy, six-pack. Yeah. It would be, it'd be cool to dive into. Um, so And even doing an episode, you know, Beer Buddies episode on that might be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, hmm. Yeah, I really think that's it. I think just um, overall knowledge of the beer process. I'm looking forward to Portland and then um, adding uh, barley wine onto it, you know, and seeing what else the the world, the beer world has to offer. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping more cryo things start to come out. Yeah, more um, brutes, more of those IPA. More, more of the brutes, right. The, the champagne style. Yeah. Ideas, yeah. And then whatever else, you know, I'm sure they'll come out with a new style. Um, Another thing we're looking forward to uh, going into 2019 is – you guys giving us suggestions on what to try because uh, Jordan and I are both very interested in expanding our horizons, expanding our palates, trying new things, you know? So if you find something that we haven't had before or something you think would be interesting, uh, shoot us a message, comment, whatever, you know, let us know. 100%. Yeah. Um, what about breweries? Give me two or three breweries you want to try in the next year. Anderson Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll we, be honest. We, Chris and I have sort of talked about these topics yeah. and these questions, and that was never a brewery nope. that came. Okay, okay, so what what happened since like four days ago and right now to where you just like fucking dropped right. Anderson Valley on me? So if you're going to try a, a barrel-aged stout – or if you're going to recommend one to someone that's not seasonal, available year-round, that's very accessible, pretty mild as far as the barrel-aged stuff goes, who do you recommend? 
Okay, well, you just gave me a criteria where the only bear I can think of is <laughs> the one you're about to say. Yeah, Anderson Valley Bourbon Barrel Stout, right? So they buy their barrels from uh, Wild Turkey, the bourbon company. They're just north of Napa. That's a uh, bourbon barrel aged stout that you can get year-round. They actually make it year-round. It's, it's pretty, I would say, like third grade as far as most of the uh, barrel aged stouts that Jordan and I drink. Um, but still, that is not something to mess around with. It's a very heavy beer, uh, above 10%. It's a very, very delicious. They also have a huge archer, which is, uh, I guess, a term for a large turkey. Uh, <laughs> a very much more aged um, barrel stout. We've had uh, the salted caramel bourbon barrel stout from them. That's very good. Um, we haven't had much else from Anderson Valley, and they're they're not too far out of the way. Jordan and I both also, which we recommend you guys get, the uh, vacuum uh, double-walled aluminum growlers to keep beer cold for several hours. 100%. So, Mine's amazing. I yeah, love it. I just got mine. We tested it out last night. Fantastic. Um, so things like going to Hoppas in San Jose, going to Anderson Valley just north of Napa, uh, going to Napa Smith, which is in Napa, going to uh, some of the breweries we talked about in San Francisco – uh, for and that's article, strictly for like Sacramento you know? locals, right? Like if you're, I yeah, mean, yeah. if you're not Sacramento native and you're listening to this, it's, I mean, think of driving three or four hours out of the way, and then driving three or four hours home, yeah, and being able to drink your beer right away, and it's still, I mean, ninety five percent as cold as if you had gotten from the brewery. Like it's, yeah, they're pretty yeah. fantastic. I mean, so much so that I'm. Uh, highly considering buying a second one, you know, like I'm sure like already after having that first experience, like you'd love to have two. And if we travel, we can literally, you know, go do a brewery tour in Monterey, buy four growlers worth of stuff and bring it home. Yeah. That'd be like a seven or eight hour day. Uh huh. And we'd have cold beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing with two with the IPAs is you got to keep them cold. A lot of the times, these breweries don't pasteurize their beers. Um, they just put it in the growler for you, and you have to keep it cold. So having a uh, growler, whether it be a Yeti, which is uh, you know everyone's go-to, but there's a lot of off-brands, different uh, companies do the same thing uh, for a lot cheaper. The same effect, having a beer that will stay cold for eight hours, it won't be ruined on the car ride home. It really expands your uh, beer-trying opportunities because we just talked about if you want to try beer, go to the source. A lot of times when you go to the brewery, they have beers there that they don't distribute that you can only get at the source. And that's one of the best ways to try new beers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, <clears throat> case in point, Lagunitas, uh, they're in Napa area. Robert Park, or not Robert Park, they're in... Petaluma, I want to say? Petaluma, yeah. So on the way to Napa, depending on which way you're coming from, if you're coming from San Francisco, they're just past Napa. If you're coming from Sacramento, they're just before Napa. I went there uh, for the first time a couple of years ago. Got a growler. Um, Lagunitas is known for like their little something extra. Uh, their Lagunitas IPA. Uh, they have something easy, which is really good. Um, a lot of very uh, wide distribution mass-produced beers. So I went there, and I was pleasantly surprised that they had a uh, brown ale that was really good. It was also aged in rum barrels that Jordan and I 
drank it. it was delicious. It was good. It was and, really and good. So, I'd love to hate on Lagunitas, but that was good. Yeah. So you think of a, a brewery that's owned by – they're owned by Budweiser, so they're owned by a, an international brand, but they still do a little bit of experimentation, and that was a nice surprise. So it was it was handy to have uh, – back then I didn't have a growler that kept the beer that cold, but nowadays him and I both have the vacuum-sealed, double-walled growlers. So we'd be able to, you know, drive many, many hours. We'd be able to drive to Fort Bragg even, or uh, maybe even down. We could to drive to Anaheim and An- almost yeah. make it back in time before yeah. the beer gets warm. And that's um, without a cooler. If we had a cooler, you're talking a couple days now. So we can drive to the Midwest, drink some of these beers, drive them back, and be fine. Um, we're gonna close out with the the Malo Blaster. It's a new Glory Moxa collaboration, and that's at 15.5%. Woo! It's one of the pastry stouts, right? One of the pastry stouts from New Glory that we, we talked about that that series. Um, I'm actually, you know, I bought a four-pack at $8 a can, uh, which kind of makes you, you cringe a little bit, but I'm aging two cans. I'm hoping to age one one year and another two years. Um and this oh, yeah. is one of my favorite beers from the year, actually. So We, we um, both really enjoyed the pastry stouts from New Glory. Uh, the first one didn't the uh, – so the can release was also paired with donuts, right? 100%. Yeah, the donut so, food truck show up to yeah. the brewery. Um, Which is really that's, – that's one of the things that Jordan and I both really appreciate about the craft beer scene is it's not just the amount of attention to detail and the, the refinement put into the manufacturing of the beer itself – but the serving and the tasting of the beer sometimes with these these uh, can releases is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I think New Glory does a really fantastic job. I think uh, one of my my favorite parts of the beer scene is when multiple brewers get together and, and make a beer. Um, so Track Seven dropped a Neapolitan Stout that I just I don't know why collaboration made me think of it, but that actually used multiple breweries. Um, Stone did a similar thing a little bit over oh, a year yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, good. Neapolitan Stout. Well, this uh, one's a collaboration with... Moxa, Moxa which, which is, is a, another brewery that I'm, I'd am i love to check out. Yeah. Um, as yeah. much as they might not have made my you know breweries, I'm excited to try in 2019. Well, um, they, they also don't do growlers or crowlers, so that kind of makes Well, they do crowlers. They don't do oh. growlers. Oh, Okay. Um, they do crowlers. Oh. They don't do crowlers. Um, this beer is is absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you own it, I recommend drinking uh, standard stout um, before because already I um, the marshmallow gets a little bit lost if you just drink it on a fresh palate. But to drink a, a normal stout and to drink this, the marshmallow component really comes out, really changes the flavor of this beer, and I think that's. Um, Really makes you appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. So yeah, yeah um, this uh, is one of my favorite can releases of the year. Uh, the Honeydew Track Seven Sour that we we're talking about was released in conjunction with Seven Stills from San Francisco. Yeah. Um, the collaboration beers are fantastic. If I'm honest, uh, at a tap house, if I see a collaboration, I'll I'll reach for that before I reach for most beers, just because. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only time you'll really ever be able to get it, and I don't want to yeah. miss out on those kinds of things. Um, 
You want to hear a really interesting collaboration that I just tried today hmm. before I came over here? Go for it. Fort Rock has been doing a lot of really great things uh, with the community lately. They've been branching out, doing a lot of collaborations, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, one of the newer beers, newer seasonal, it's called uh, Jingle Juice. It's a gingerbread, cocoa, milk, imperial stout. And they did it in collaboration, get this Jordan, in collaboration with Sacramento Beer Enthusiast Group. Really? Really. That's cool. Yeah. Is it cool? Because a lot of times you and I disagree with most of those people. So, so I okay. Right? But mm. I think the beer, so when, when you hear it's a gingerbread, uh, milk, imperial, uh, cocoa stout. There's a lot of things. Including collaboration with a Facebook group. Yeah. Okay, but okay. So you no, I'm just saying. So here's here's my my take on it. There's a lot of assumptions that you would make about that beer. You try it, it's not like any of your assumptions if you know what that beer could taste like. It's a little bit different. Okay, and in what regard? It's very much a milk stout up front. So it's really then, mild. It's really mild, but okay. then there's a strong ginger, gingerbread flavor that comes in as the aftertaste. So instead of being in the foretaste, which you would expect, it's in the aftertaste. Okay, perfect. That's fine. I, to be honest, I don't really care. Um, not unlike I'm not mm. interested in what it tastes like. But when it when you say brewed in conjunction with Sacramento Beer Enthusiasts, mm-hmm. you and I are both a part of that group. We are. We, did, we heavily did, disagree. Did, with did, well, hold on. Not even that. Not even that. Not even do we heavily disagree with a lot of what gets posted on that page. Um, did Fort Rock fucking call you? Because they didn't call me. And we're in the group. What the fuck do you mean that you brewed it in conjunction with Sacramento Beer Enthusiasts? Because I'm a Sacramento Beer Enthusiast and I didn't no get idea, that. No idea, man. No huh. idea. Right. So you probably called some of the admin, some of the people who mm-hmm. are like heavily involved in the beer scene. Cool. And when we say disagree with a lot of the opinions, I think most of what we disagree with is overhyping Pliny. And, oh, yeah. And beer shaming. Beer you know, shaming is not good. It's just... It's just we, not cool. We beer shame a lot, but it's... <laughs> we're not putting anyone down. We're, we're just talking about... There's, there's a lot of advertising and hype that goes behind some of these beers that we try. And I think... Sure, but I think even like way, what so. we call beer shaming is behind closed doors and us just like giggling about what our personal preferences are versus our personal preferences yeah which is different than like social media shaming people that post on a public group Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of people that think they're right and the whole point of uh the diversity of the beer drinking community in sacramento is very subjective and there's something for everyone 100%. 100%. You know, and I think, yes. like, you and I kind of talked about, like, with resilience. Like, like beer for us has just been, like, a journey of growth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that kind of uh, – hold on. Cheers, by the way. Cheers uh, to a journey of growth. There uh, you go. To cap off on the night. Ah, so good. Uh, very, very sweet compared to uh, the second. Second. Yeah. yeah. Super sweet. Uh, but – even if you're you're further along on that journey than other people, uh, I feel like your perspective should should allude to that more often. You know, like you should if someone's behind you in perspective, 
what they lack is experience. And there's no shame in lack of experience. In lack Within that lack of experience, there's a lack of time in comparison to your own experience. Yeah. And I, I just hate to see that on a social forum with people you don't know. You know, people who don't know each other bantering and bickering about what, what good beer is, what bad beer is, when it's all purely subjective and based on your own personal journey with, with beer, which sounds kind of funny because it's, I mean, you'd think that beer isn't something you'd have that kind of journey with. But, I mean, that's kind of where we get turned off from the, the, the SBE page. Mm. Um, but you know, to be honest, like the Sacrament Beer Enthusiast page also um, enlightens us to beers we should and shouldn't try sometimes. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, but that's the thing. I think what you're talking about is having an open mind. So we have an open mind, and so when they suggest a beer that's really, really good, we consider it. Mm-hmm. We don't just assume that we know right. what we're talking about. So that's that's the thing too. Is you have to keep an open mind, uh, drinking all these beers, uh, trying things, drinking them along with us. And, and see if you taste the same things as we do. Mm-hmm. If you don't, that's because your taste buds are different or genetically you're a little bit different. Or maybe you have a different preference right. to beers or different experience. Maybe you're more experienced than us. Maybe you're less. Um, Everyone's palate's different. Right. Yeah. Everyone's palate's different. Um, people, you know, like my cousin has, you know, he leans a lot, like more towards sours than I do. He... Um, or we know people that lean way more towards IPAs or people who only drink dark beers, you know, and I'd like to think we're more of the, the generalist spectrum. We dabble in a little bit of everything. Um, I think out of, out of a curiosity. Yeah. 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 Um, but with that, um, you know, we hear from us in, you know, two or three weeks, we're going to have our growler gang meeting. We'll tell you what that's all about. I'm sure just hearing the title growler gang, there's some questions involved, but, uh, hopefully we can get Colin. We'll get yeah you know we're four members right now we're trying to add a fifth and that will lead to a an interesting podcast episode where we talk about what we're all about and um, have a happy new year guys and we'll hear from you in a couple couple weeks there you go cheers man cheers 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 in the new year there you go.